0: Guys, welcome back to Breakthrough Conversations. My name is Brett English. I'm Ryan Ortega. We've got Mitchell Vicarage in the house. Thank you so much for sharing your home with us, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Over beautiful and, yeah. home as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, made this happen, man. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, dude. Um, the, the first topic, which probably most people know you by, is the Cacao Collective. And um, how that's, I see it everywhere now. Like, mm. Every time I go to a shop or a cafe, I'm like, there it is, there that it is. Like, Damn, yeah. you've done, done so <laughs> well, man. And then, like, how did that come about? and how did you get it to spread
1: in such a manner? Yeah, um, super open question. Uh, it's interesting, like Yaz and I didn't start with some you know, deep um, calling or some you know, super deep spiritual thing to share cacao. we just like both love it. I loved it originally when I first met Yaz and she was drinking a lot of coffee as most yeah. people do and i definitely did in the past. I was a caffeine junkie and uh, so she just kind of saw me drinking it and I was going to cacao ceremonies and doing a bit of inner work. And I just kind of suggested that she should try it. She loved it. One thing turned to another and then our friends and family got interested. Mm. It just kept growing smaller and smaller or bigger and bigger through this kind of small start. And then eventually we're like, oh, we should probably just actually buy some extra, wholesale, bring it in, sell it to friends and family, see how they like it and go from there. And that just went like int- int- instantly. Wow. Um, so we kind of looked at each other and was like, we were both saying we either shut this down or we kind of go full in with this Yeah, yeah because yeah. there's something here, you know, people are really asking for to slow down. Um, there's a time to move fast. There's a time for coffee. I love a good coffee, but I notice a lot of conversations we're having with people is that they're just overstimulated mm. over Yang overdoing overstimulated and cacao. Yes. Technically is a stimulant, um, but has a very, very small amount of caffeine. <clears throat> it's just a way for people to slow down find more presence sit with themselves not be so go 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 and we really found that that's how the market was speaking to us people were just coming to us and going man i used to drink 10 cups of coffee a day or my sleep was really poor because i'd be drinking coffee all day long and then i've switched to cacao and have no withdrawals my energy is a lot better more stable no no more insomnia or feeling a lot better oh wow and also you know whacked out and jittery Mm. so that's kind of how it started and then yeah one thing we just started in the garage very cliche um we got all our you know certificates and the machines we needed and just it kept building and kept building and kept building so it, there's been no real we have a long-term vision now now that we're so clear and we're so certain of this this entity having you know legs now we have a much bigger vision and a clearer vision but back then it was just two perth kids loving cacao that wanted to share yeah. with friends and family it kind of feels like it chose you in a way yeah, yeah. We, which sounds weird because you know cacao traditionally has that very spiritual component and you know we're all about honoring the traditional um, reverence of cacao and is a sacred plant, especially the Amazon basin or Mesoamerican mm-hmm. cultures. And we really try to honor that, but not everyone really aligns with that language, especially to the, to the mainstream Aussie, yeah. who probably needs it the most. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like people that are already kind of into spirituality are probably already into the inner growth, they're doing their yoga, they're doing their breathing, their meditations. Whereas like the everyday Joe who's driving a truck or the mum who's like got three kids in her life's You know, really speedy, they probably need that time to slow down and sit and just be. And so, yeah, we really try to appeal more to the quote unquote mainstream audience in Australia, Mm. soon to be worldwide and just, um, educating people as well about the benefits of cacao. It's it's all through the literature, there are incredible medical benefits that have been proven time and time again. Mm. Um, New discoveries always coming out, but the plant in and of itself, you know, gram for gram, I would say arguably is one of the most nutritionally dense plants in the world. Yeah. And just, yeah, beautiful addition. I just love it. It's, you know, such a beautiful plant. It's epic, man. Yeah. So if you
2: could break it down to an absolute beginner, how would you break it down for them,
1: the benefits of cacao? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. First, I would look at just the micronutrient content. Um, it's packed full of magnesium, iron, calcium, copper, zinc, selenium, manganese. Um, so it's got a lot of trace minerals, some B vitamins, and uh, mood enhancing. You know, everyone's looking for just that little lift of their day. Mm. And yes, you can get it, you should, you, know, you should be aiming for that internal bliss and internal joy and fulfillment. Uh, but it has mood in, in improving compounds, um, one of which is phenylethylamine, which is a bit of a tongue twister, so PEA for short, Yeah. like a P. And um, that's a neuromodulator, it improves neurotransmission, it lifts mood, it can increase energy, um, motivation, and also anandamide, which is known as the bliss molecule. So that's that, oh, wow. you know, more euphoric, uplifting, mood enhancing kind of like lifts you into your day, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you think about coffee as a comparison, that would be more of like a really you know strong energy hit, a strong stimulation, and yeah, it increases productivity, but it normally comes with a crash. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of think of like the McDonald's arch and cacao more like a, a plane. Mm. So that's a good thing, you know, for, for people that are you know curious and interested to the newbie. You're not really going to get that crash, that caffeine crash. It's like a great kind of lift yourself up and Just land slightly, smoothie, yeah. but not like oh god, I need another coffee because I'm. Crashing. Yeah, so it becomes like a cycle. <coughs> Absolutely. Really, yeah. And I'll just say the last thing really is just the enormous amount of antioxidants, um, more so than usually your common foods like your blueberries and a There's a ton of antioxidants, great for heart health and great for brain health. So if they have even higher blood pressure, which probably should be careful with their medication, you can lower blood pressure, it's neuroprotective. It's just great for the entire vascular tree. Yeah. And really, the ancients knew this. That's why it was coined a heart medicine. You know, five thousand years ago, yeah. um, it was it was known. Like the ancients knew, the mystics knew it was a heart medicine, and that's where the sacredness came from. Um, they would use it in all kind of rituals and traditions. So that's like the short version to the newbie. I would say yeah, is it's you know, yeah, yeah. packed full of nutrients, antioxidants, good for the heart, good for the brain, mood enhancing. Um, will give you a, a nice gentle lift, like a long lasting lift of energy, but without kind of that dreaded crash that we don't like it. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Yeah. <coughs> well said, bro, I didn't
0: know did any yeah. that, so yeah. well, there, you go. there you go. Cacao! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful plant. I think another thing um, that I really admire you for, both you and Yaz, is that you built this business from scratch and you kept it running, kept it growing, even though you're having your issues when you did, or did break up, actually. We separated, yeah, yeah.
1: and through a pandemic. So we started yeah. in the yeah. COVID pandemic and we separated and yeah, kept it going. and.
0: Yeah, was that a difficult process to be able to manage your emotions, the relationship? and the business and grow it without any sort of hiccups seemingly from mm. the outside looking in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, yes, but no at the same time. I mean, even running a business, if you were together is, is difficult Yeah. because you're constantly wearing different caps. Yeah. yeah. Noticing and being mindful of, oh wait, hold on, I'm wearing the entrepreneurial cap and it's 9.30 at night, how about I take that off and actually just be a partner mm. and a human being? You're always navigating those things if you're running a business together and you're with someone. Mm. Paradoxically, the business actually started to thrive more once we got over the initial separation speed bump, which I think it's normal for anyone to go through, mm. which is yeah. of course chaos. Hard. Yeah. Um, you're having hard conversations, you're, you're revealing hard truths, you're, you're learning to untangle each other's energy but still love each other and be respectful I think it matured us a lot because we had to ensure that we were putting the greater good above our own emotions. There is a time to feel your emotions and be present with them. And then sometimes there's just a place for you to get on with it Mm. um, and do what's required for the kind of the greater good, so to speak. So we were both mindful of putting the entity really above our own, I wouldn't say selfish needs, but just, you know, I'm emotional. Well, it's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. We've got shit to do. So how about we just get it done? But can we open up a conversation tonight? Mm, so it really helped yes. us in communicating it helped us navigate our own emotions. it helped us actually mature in business. So I would say there are a lot of benefits, but was it difficult at times? Absolutely. Mm. Any business is hard no matter what. yeah you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's
0: really nice. And you're, you're both sort of leaders as well. So was it a bit of headbutting there as well as to who would sort of?
1: Yeah, sort of that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I guess at times Yats is very strong <laughs> she's very strong headed yep. um, so am I. And it actually wasn't until recently that, um, she really took more of the leadership position and she started to okay. steer the ship because I'm moving into my own um, space and I love cacao, but this was never my truly my, my deepest calling. It was just mm. something that I was called to do at the time. And now it feels yeah. like a chapter's closing We've we've separated. Um, I still have really deep involvement in certain areas, but I'm really letting her take the lead more. Okay. At the time, there was probably leadership butting of heads, plus the emotions, plus other mm. things as people where we just butt heads. Um, yeah, overall, we, again, we really navigated that to work out who leads in what department or where and then who can just take a back seat and follow, Beautiful. just communicating about it. Yeah. (laughs) How
2: did, did, is there any like tools or techniques that you guys, that you personally use to kind of divide the objective, the logic brain and the emotional brain while you're doing, while you're managing and handling the business side of things?
1: Oh, that's another great question. I mean, we're both trained breath workers. So in that process, we had to really learn to connect with our bodies know, our felt sensations, um, the art of communication and respecting one another to speak in their values because everyone's loyal to their own values. So if you can speak to what it is they want and they can speak to what it is you want, you're going to find common ground. Yeah. And I think that can really help them navigate the logical side of things, which if we're pertaining to business, um, again, really helps to just notice, hey, I'm feeling this thing. Would it be mine opening our conversation up tonight or tomorrow or when it's convenient for you? not just assuming or thinking that oh something's come up for me so I need to just process it right now it's like you can actually just press pause have your day and then sit down and clear it and we were you know again head off to us we were really good at that communicating well doing what was required kind of logically and then sitting down and just opening up a conversation to clear it so it didn't fester and build which is how resent and bitterness and you know the betrayal and all this the things that build if you just keep stuffing it under the rug yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. that that's good, man. <coughs> yeah. just announce it and then move into it. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind
0: if we dive into the past of uh, Please. yourself? Yeah. One of the big things I saw while looking through Instagram was your, your bodybuilding life mm. and career back in the day. Yeah. And um, yep. yeah, man, I know you're a very calm, <laughs> cool guy now, but back then you're just
1: fucking huge, bro. Like
0: what, mm. what was your weight and your body fat back then?
1: Uh, I never got my body fat tested. I just always looked in the mirror because that's what bodybuilding is. It's a visual yeah. sport, you know, Powerlifting's yeah. a bit different. It's objective. You Need to know your numbers. Yeah. Uh, I tracked everything, but body fat wasn't. Um, the heaviest I got to was 113 and a half kilos. Wow. Um, but I call that the yeah, fat and happy. Um, it was, I was on the seafood diet at that point, which is if you yeah. see food, you yeah. eat it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're yeah. talking thousands of calories. <laughs> I was obviously using a lot of steroids. Um, And then I'm sure we'll move into it, but like emotionally was just suppressing and so disconnected from my body. And that's Mm. what was driving a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I still loved it by by all means. I still love bodybuilding and loved ironing and pumping iron and all Mm. that. Um, But I'm sure we'll get into it. But that peak weight was, you know, I think back now was a a huge running from myself, um, a huge avoidance and just holding on to so much anger (laughs) and fear, which I was just stuffing down, you know, and then I would just kind of release into the weights, which I guess was Mm. good you channel that anger. Channel it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely set. channel it. Because I was a pretty zen guy. It's not like I would walk around and think I'm an angry person, but yeah. that's yeah. sometimes how emotions work. You suppress them. And mm. I think unconsciously I would know, okay, well, this deadlift's fucking heavy, so maybe I should probably tap into that. Yeah. And we were slapping each other and like slapping the back and punching yeah, yeah. metal and all kinds of crazy shit. So yeah, 113 and a half. And um, crazy. I think back now, crazy, awesome, crazy. Awesome, Did you mind sharing a photo so I can stick it up on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you-
2: Sorry, would you say you were your happiest? You, you, you were your happiest, but internally you were going through a lot at that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, life's an amalgamation of happy and sad, positive and negative. There's no, yeah. you know, the positive thinking movement is complete bullshit, I tell everyone. If I try to put two positive magnets together, what happens, you know, that will come. So I don't, right. I don't believe in, you know, happiness per se. We have up days and down days, that's called life. I don't care how spiritually enlightened you are. Um, Spiritual involvement is not about feeling good either. It's about becoming good at feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say back then I just had a lot of unprocessed stuff, um, a lot of misperceptions that were creating a lot of suffering and torment. Um, You know, the way we perceive the world is how we create our reality, right? So I would say back then I was just um, naive or unconscious to what kind of perceptions I was carrying towards myself, other people, near and far, and probably the world. And that was driving a lot of the anger and then just fear. I think, um, looking back now, I was definitely had a sense of, even I had a sense of direction. There was this other aspect of me that felt quite lost Yeah. and that became more apparent as my father died over three years ago now, but before he did still, I didn't really have that deep clarity, deep direction, deep purpose. Um, And I was in my 20s as well, like mid-20s. I think you're working your life out in your 20s. You kind of need to fuck everything up and just go out and do things, you know? And bodybuilding was one of those things. And I found many amazing lessons and so many incredible pillars that I still carry to this day, like fortitude and resilience and adaptability and respect. Um, But yeah, that was definitely just some internal stuff that I just didn't know. I didn't have the tools back then to to process Mm. and sit with.
2: Yeah, yeah. so would you say that time kind of helped you build your values and who you are
1: pretty much? Well, definitely when I got more sick because I had to sit yeah. the fuck still, you know. I was, in, yeah. I was bedridden for months, months on end. And that was, um, that was you know a big advancement on me just learning to sit with myself and yeah. sit in pain. And I was in absolute suffering. So there's no moving there. And that's where you learn a lot. Values kind of came about more when I had the surgery and I was on my healing journey and really getting clear on what had just happened in my life and yeah. now how to want to take that to my greatest advantage and do something inspiring with my life yeah. and not feel sorry for myself
0: what well, do what exactly yeah. happened that made you get sick and bedridden what was really <coughs> going on internally inside your body
1: yeah um the medical label that doctors use is called ulcerative colitis um, but i've kind of divorced myself from the medical industry relatively speaking to health obviously yeah. it's brilliant in emergency it has yeah. absolute yeah. place there's no polarizing here medical technology is brilliant it saved my life and it saved many people's lives and i'm sure people you know it saved their lives Yeah, or an important surgery you know I always say to people, if I have a car crash, I don't want someone to align my chakras. Like I want a fentanyl. you know, some an anaesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's okay. I'm here. It's okay. Yeah. So yeah. again, context for everything, and um, ba- and balance for everything. So the medical label that I was given was ulcerative colitis, and I got first my first symptoms arise when I was twenty, just before my twenty-first birthday. Which is really interesting because you know, at 20, you got your whole life ahead of you, you've just kind of graduated from high school, you've really? lined out a lot of the social creases, and you're kind of off ready for the world. So, I had that kind of pulled under the rug, <clears throat> and that also really taught me a lot about you know, contemplation and just like becoming aware, um, even though it was a super bumpy journey along the way. Um, to answer your question kind of more directly, is I say it's like this it's like if you had a car and you bought a brand new and you took it out of the dealership and just did burnouts every single day and drove it like crazy and turned fast corners and, you know, didn't clean it. Mm. You're going to build wear and tear. You're going to amalgamate damage. You're going to build it. Versus yeah. like grandma who, you know, drives at the speed limit and services every 10,000 Ks and takes care of it. Mm. They're going to look very different after 10 years. Unless so, it's Camry. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, those things are indestructible.
1: <laughs> so, you know, to, to kind of uh, what I'm alluding to is You know, I was obviously born with a set of genetics and we can't change that, but genetically we can and and you're doing it through day by day. And my parents blessed them, they just weren't really health conscious, so Mm. I didn't really pick up any good habits from there. Even though I was exercising a lot, which was great, but my diet and lifestyle were just pretty trash. And I got into just being super hypervigilant and hyper aroused and again, drinking coffee and working and Mm. just go, 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 go. So that eventually just breaks the body down. and i was doing you know competitive bodybuilding i was taking steroids and training like just an absolute beast Uh, i was training with a world champion i was very blessed he picked me up under his wing so it was brutal training the steroids the enormous amount of food Mm. it's like the body's going to give you symptoms and go hey fuck you like this is not working for me i don't like it and i thought symptoms were bad and symptoms there was just something that was happening to me it was out of my control what were some of the symptoms on a more serious note yeah. So the first thing I ever got was like someone getting a knife, literally just stabbing into my lower left quadrant on my, on oh, my abdomen. Yeah. And just like shaking around. So I just like almost dropped to the floor. I was in Nando's um, at 20 and I went straight to the hospital and you know, doctors with their obviously lens were like, Oh, we don't know what's wrong. We'll do some tests. And it was like a couple of weeks until they said, yeah, you have this, we're pretty sure you have ulcerative colitis. They wouldn't give me like a certain answer, but they said you basically have ulcerative colitis. So naturally my, my inquisitive mind would just go on Google and research everything on the first 10 pages of Google about it and it's you know this autoimmune disease that you kind of just get and okay. you're a victim to it and your body attacks itself and we don't know what causes it and there's no known cure but here's your drugs and we'll see you in three months you know and yeah. if they don't work we'll just cut your organs out and that's 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 the broken model that we live in it's just so barbaric and archaic and outdated. Mm. Um, and that's what kind of again drew, drove so many of my values and, and what I became so interested in today. So really like the biggest symptoms, um, pain, enormous amounts of pain, um, rectal bleeding, I was literally shitting blood all day long. Mm. Um, fatigue, I became iron deficient, anemic, so losing iron in my system, you're losing hemoglobin, all the building blocks of cells, and mm. then you become fatigued because you're not getting as much oxygen around the body. And it's just a roller coaster, man. Like, wow. yeah, it's horrible. I remember on the forums once I was um, reading some mothers who had been diagnosed, <coughs> and they said, "I'd rather go through childbirth ten times over than experience the pain of oh, wow. colitis." Oh, damn. Yeah, it's insane. It's not fun. So, yeah. um, I'm sure that if there are people watching or know someone with it, it's just not a fun experience. Yeah. So,
0: when you're experiencing that and you had your the col- well, how do you pronounce that term again? Well, what you had? I can't even attempt. Colitis. colitis yeah, yeah. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. yeah. And what is actually happening there? Is it? alterations of the
1: colon or yeah the yeah so ulcerative the... colitis is again medically speaking limited to the to the rectum all the way to your large butt colon yeah so if you start from the mouth to your butt you got that eight and a half meter tube yeah. it's actually quite long it extends if you think know, eight and a half meters you're like damn that's like a long long way you know? yeah. all the way so you know you have your mouth esophagus stomach and then you move into about five five and a half meters of small intestine mm. and then starts the large colon and that's where when doctors say you have ulcerative colitis it's limited to the large colon Mm-hmm. traditional chinese medicine also too is strongly correlated with fear and anger so it's like okay. it made perfect sense when i started to look into eastern mm-hmm. and western science and um the symptoms can be you know very very diverse but most notably it is either yeah, polyps what they call polyps or cysts on the bowel wall mm-hmm. ulcerations and lesions so you get bleeding you get kind of these red looking sores okay. um and the rectal bleeding again you know knowing what i know now is actually a designed function of the body to cool and soothe It's not, it's not not like colitis makes you bleed. Bleeding is the symptom to try and repair, you know? Again, everything's seen the wrong way around and Mm. ulcerative colitis doesn't cause inflammation, excessive damage to the body creates a pro-inflammatory response. And if you keep driving that damage and those insults to the body, you're gonna get symptoms. You cause yourself disease, you know? People Mm. don't like to hear that. And doctors don't say that. Doctors will never say that because you're a victim of course and you know, poor you and we don't know what causes it. I think, fuck to myself, you know, get no judgment. You spent six years at a school and you can't tell me what causes this, so why, why am I even listening to you? Like, w- mm. we don't know what causes it, there's no known cure, but here's your drugs. Like, that was just sounding very unsure. So it's really yeah. Kind of very backwards. Super backwards. But again, yeah. like, again, no judgment and they're brilliant in their own mind. And that's what they're trained in is to see things compartmentalized and okay, well, that location and that symptom, that means this and this is the drug to treat that. Like That's, yeah. that's you know, immunology and that's how you pathology and that's how you prescribe drugs. That's just what they're trained in. So. That forced me and it drove me or gave me kind of the, the propensity and was the catalyst to start understanding my body more. Yeah. Um, but I was caught in two different worlds. One was this is the authority figure and I trust their opinion. Mm. But then having this cognitive dissonance of like, nah, fucking something's yeah. not right. Like I need to go work it out.
0: But also when you're sick, you have a lot of fear as well. And the doctors Massive. take advantage of that. Well, not take advantage of it, but they can the way it, is. it. Yeah, and yeah. some
1: do. Like I've heard some fucking horror stories and doctors will. Yeah. that. There were that superiority complex and again, no judgment, but it definitely yeah. happens. It absolutely happens. I felt it multiple times. It's just that I had enough, you know, self-awareness to go, oh, hold on, buddy. No, 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 no. Yeah. You know, and then go off and just do my own thing and discover more about this condition or why my body was doing mm. this. Um, just one last thing the hardest thing was is that I was so attached to bodybuilding and you know the way that I could be bigger was protecting all the stuff that I wasn't processing and feeling and mm. my insecurities and fear and anger so I'm like in cognitive dissonance to this medical model but I'm still fucking my body up mm. I'm yeah. taking their drugs but I'm still going and taking steroids and lifting heavy stupid weights and crazy like, even you know, with all like the brain. pain I literally shit blood and be like okay and then go grab Trent and take two scoops of pre-workout like it was Fuck. silly yeah. So slowly I was working out, you know, I've discovered Wim Hof quite early. Um, before Wim Hof, it was even Wim Hof actually. Like who's this fucking crazy Dutch person? <laughs> yeah. I discovered like cacao powder and like that's mm. healthy for you. And I was discovered like all these little things, but not really what was required to, to actually yeah. sit and go, oh, I'm mm. doing all of this. And I need to actually just sit with my body yeah. and listen to the symptoms and listen to the whispers and actually take action on this. That's mm. not like what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but so I was never, so I was in these, between these two worlds. Yeah, I wanted to take care of myself but I also wanted to really punish myself. I didn't want to lose those gains as well, you know. Didn't want to lose those gains. Because yeah. again, yeah. that becomes your identity. Yeah. Identities yeah. are so important to like grasp onto and body I was the bodybuilding guy, you know? Yeah. Kinda of too, I was like the Crohn's guy or the Colitis guy and then and the bodybuilding guy too. So it was this yeah, this interesting in between. Nice,
2: nice. And you had to kind of like let go of that bodybuilding identity. Oh, and it was you, fucking pulled hard. out from underneath me because I yeah. lost
1: half my body weight, literally half. I went from 113 at my heaviest to about 56 kilos skin Jesus. and bone wow. in the space of half a year. Jesus. I was just wasting away. You know, it was like you, one to two kilos a week. You yep. think you think you were going to die at that, at that point when you were one I of I wish, like, I say this all the time. I don't want to keep saying like I should be dead, but I kind of use it as, as mm. for people to understand how close I got to kissing the Grim Reaper um i had doctors and teams of people in hospital saying like how's this kid alive like all of my biomarkers were out my albumin levels were low like they can drop to a certain point that you will just drop dead my hemoglobin was so low you can just drop dead wow i was on the max amount of pick lines like you have you have picked anyone that's a nurse or a doctor know this but you have lines that you can get hooked up i was on the max of that i was on the maximum painkillers panadol Nurofen, tramadol a morphine pump like you wow. name it i was being held together and I'm kind of segueing, if you don't mind, <coughs> into That's my cool. hospital journey, just based on that one little spiel, which you might get into, is um, when I rocked up, I was so emaciated and frail that they just said, we, we can't operate on you. You'll probably just die on the table. You're so frail. They said it to your face. Pretty much, yeah. And then the people, I was, the housemates I was with. And um, so they tried to fatten me up for a month um, with what's called Temporal Nutrition, line well, straight in the jugular. Oh, wow. And it's fuck because as soon as I looked at the package, it was like canola oil and maltodextrin oh, and calcium. I was like, oh God, Jesus Christ. Having nutrition sciences background, I thought oh, this is like the worst shit. I'm thinking, oh, they might put something like organic and something nice and clean. Nah, like lamb ghee or
0: something like that. No, yeah, no, nah. No. The worst no. and oil, oil. Oh, it was the, the worst. Dextrin. Maltodextrin, casein, casein. proteins,
1: oh, and those flavour, all kinds of just shit. straight into your, blood Literally into your bloodstream. <laughs> 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 Literally into your bloodstream. To oh. so try and fat me up, so I'd have a bit more weight to have to have surgery. So that didn't work. And within like three days, oh, I had God. the head gastroenterologist of, of of the hospital come in to say, sign these papers, you'd be dead tomorrow. <laughs> oh wow! And I was on the operating table the next day. I had my whole colon cut out. Wow!
0: So yeah, it's nuts. When you're going through that experience, losing all that weight, coming to the operating table, and on your, when you're pretty much facing death, doctors saying you're going to die, what were some of the thoughts that you that you were facing, and some of the things that were coming to your mind mm. during that space, being so
1: young and like holy shit, what have I done? Yeah, yeah. like initially, all the fear does surface, and this is actually well before. This is more like actually still at home and then just like a couple of days into the hospital. My former partner actually um, before Yaz, um, she had flown back from Bali, like she was incredible and to have so much love and respect for like the sacrifices she made. Mm. Once she got there and like my family was there and people were visiting, there's almost this like just calmness that washes over you because you know I say like the, the feeling of death is actually quite easy. It's like life's hard, <laughs> death <laughs> is easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Ram Dass explains it as like, you know, taking off a tight shoe, so this total release, you know, Mm -hmm. we have such a a deep, understandably a deep seated fear of death. But if you look, I'm kind of segwaying into like some esoteric stuff. But if you look at say, the teachings of Buddhism, and achieving nirvana, um, it's the it's the liberation of the mind and the idea that like, I'm going to die. Well, Mm -hmm. relative to what like to your ego? You know, it's like usually the ego's fear of its own death is actually the fear we feel of death, whereas death in and of itself is just another process that is as natural as birth. You know, Mm. everything lives and dies. Were you thinking thinking that at the time? Eventually, yeah, that's what I'm kind of alluding to. Yeah, it was this total just non-thought that was just this like, if I die, I die. Interestingly though, as I'm speaking this, there was this other voice of me which is like, it's just not your time. Mm -hmm. You know, if it happens, it happens. And I was in total surrender to it. But there was this other very, very, very strong, like, gnosis, this deep knowing of, like, it's not your time. And, um, yeah, I truly believe, like, every single person that helped and supported me and every breath I took and everything that I did, like, everything alluded to me just, you know, again, cheating death and just coming in within millimeters of it. And I do think part of that was this, yeah, this drive to go, it's just not my time. I'm far too young. I have far too much to live for, to do, to receive, and to give, and to serve. Um, That's just not my time. Mm. Do you believe that little voice was like God? Uh, It felt more like soul. Maybe it's God, but like soul. I mean, it's so hard to say and tangibly quantify. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, again, it's like when you just know something, you know, it's it's beyond thought. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's like... Different voices can come from different areas. You know, sometimes there's that gut instinct voice or feeling, and then there's like more the heart sensory, and then there's like a very logical thought, and there's just like a soft whisper. And yeah. mm-hmm. this is just yeah, like a deeper knowing.
2: Yeah, wow. it kind of associates though. Though um, Joe Dispenza, the way he says, like you know, how he healed himself from having um, was it? He had a massive accident, and they told him he was never going to ever walk. Yeah, he yeah. broken neck, I think. Broken, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: spine. Yeah. 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 It seems
2: like that release of fear. And that strong belief yep. is like
0: what gets you out.
1: Yeah, there's just like something so yeah, transient or transcendental to this, to this um, existence that's just beyond thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, it kind of goes beyond that, and that's really I guess what gnosis is. It's like again a deep knowing mm. that is just beyond log- your logical mind. We've all had that experience where you're like, oh, I, I'm, I just know I should do this, and then you don't do it, and you're like, damn, see, I should have done it. Yeah. Or if you do do it, you're like, yeah, I knew this was the thing I, I needed to do. Like, yeah. Well, if you
2: don't do it, you get slapped in the fucking face (laughs) and you end up doing it anyway. Absolutely. And I've had many of those
1: experiences. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. How did you get past that? Like, when you you healed and you're kind of like going back into your normal life, not getting reattached to the body dysmorphia from Mm. bodybuilding and still kind of maintaining this path, I was like, yeah, I'm still nurturing myself internally and externally.
1: Yeah. Well, like you just perfectly said before, if you don't listen, you get slapped and I actually kind of say like the stages, you know, at first there's a little feather that will tickle you and then there's usually a a, like a a gentle slap or or a Mike Tyson punch, but a really soft like glove. Yeah. Then if you keep listening, just like a hammer to the face and then eventually just three Mack trucks will just come and (laughs) clean you up. I needed that, (laughs) you know, my dumb ass wasn't listening. So that first experience of me being again going through all the torment that I saw, I put my friends and family through who I knew were wearing brave faces. Cause like, of course they wouldn't like mm. let me see that, but I yeah. appreciate and understand what they would have gone through seeing that and being helpless. The amount of time that I just laid still to contemplate on like, how the fuck, like I'm 26 years old. Like, how did my life get like this? You know, what what would have happened for me to get like this? Surely it can't just be accident, you know? And so through asking more curious questions, it kind of alluded me more to the journey of health and wellness and holistic health and healing and regenerating the body because I had to like, at one point I was so frail, like I would have to get a nurse, to, like drag a leg off and another leg off and pull me up and just to take a piss. Like I was wow. just, I had to learn how to sit up and my, my voice box was so weak. I had to learn how to speak like properly again. Wow. So that really drove a lot of my values coming out of hospital was like, how did this, how did I get all at this? And that's what really led me down to the, the inner work and, and starting to discover what was inside of me that was just not serving my life, my purpose, my values, my health. One key moment in particular was, and I have spoke about this before, was a session I did with a dear friend who is um, trained in holographic kinetics, which is like timeline therapy, but it's a traditional Aboriginal art. Wow. So it's like going back in time and recognising, yeah. you know, what are your perceptions and what's driven this behaviour based on what happened in the past? And one thing I found out, like in very, very short, cause it's quite a long story, but <clears throat> my bodybuilding was rooted in this idea that if I could just be big enough and I could just be strong enough, like a Dragon Ball Z warrior, I had part of the story. Yeah. I could go back in time and save my brother from a moment when I was seven years old and I was feeling completely powerless. And so much of my behavior was driven by powerlessness and needing to be big enough and strong enough to be like the hero and be the savior and go back in time.
2: The Goku. So once
1: I found that out, yeah. that really supported me being able to just go back into a gym for building back muscle in a healthy way, and I could use you know the previous eleven years or so of knowledge to actually build my body back. And why people saw me build back so quickly? It's because you know my nutrition was really really good, and my training was progressive, and I was listening to my body more. Um, I just had was so inspired. I was also just I'd be like I just literally fucking cheated death. Like I'm not mm. wasting the second chance. I've been literally given a second gift at life. So really honoring that, getting clear on my values. And that, again, was a very bumpy journey. It's not like it was perfect. I got out of the hospital and hallelujah, it all came to me. I still was very much working it out. We're always working out life. But I hope it answers your question. Like, yeah, it it enabled me to get clear on why am I walking through these doors into a thing called a gym, this this building? Why am I here? And it just became more and more about actually becoming healthy and fit and strong to serve my body as opposed to punish myself because I was powerless and needing to do these unconscious things.
2: Yeah, yeah. And how did you, sorry, that's not the question I wanted to ask. I wanted to to ask in terms of like you being in your deathbed or um, facing the potential final moments. Mm. Did your perception of value of time change?
1: Oh, it it was more reaffirmed. (laughs) A lot yeah, because like I'd done many um, psilocybin acid journeys, <laughs> like oh, yeah. Yeah. it changes your perception of time.
2: Yeah, yeah this was definitely.
1: kind of like an affirming thing of like, yeah, time actually doesn't exist. It's just a human construct. Mm. Past, present, and future like are all one in the quantum, but in linear, it's past, present, future. Yeah, but as you know, it's like what what existed when you guys walked through the door doesn't exist anymore. Like there is no past. It's just this now and this now and this now. It's not the present. So I guess it was like a deeper connection to recognition that we are the now. We are presence and how you animate yourself relative to that presence, you know? It's so easy to fall out of presence, you know, think about the future and go into some anxiety spiral and dwell on the past and be out of of touch with reality. So yeah, I think it was just an affirmation or a confirmation with um, the the essence of time in presence, which is like, there is no time. Yeah, And also, um, I guess, appreciation for each moment in time. You know, because you just don't know how quickly it's just going to go, you know, it's like it just slips away from you. Mm. And I think that is so clear to people when people get sick or people die. That's we've all had that experience. Like you wake up and you have that moment of clarity. It's like, fuck, you, know where you go to a funeral and you have the clarity around your own life or someone else's life and the people yeah. you, that means so much. So you just want to spend more time, like the, the time and presence you have with them. Yeah. Um, or you get sick and then all of a sudden things change for you. Time becomes important to the people that matter most or. You want to kind of express yourself more to the people you love because you realize time, at least at this realm, is finite. Like there is an end. No one's surviving death, you know? Yeah, true. It's all coming. Yeah, so. a, yeah no, that's true. I guess, like, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, it? yeah. yeah.
2: And, and let's say that you're talking to a young man, right, in 20, 2022, <laughs> a young man who's still spending his days wasting time, but he, he still hasn't found that spark that gives him that value for time. What advice would you give him?
1: Oh, I mean, again, I feel like the 20s is giving yourself the permission to fuck everything up and go out and try things and lean into your edges. You're never going to discover who you are by being sitting in comfort. Yeah. So, yeah, there's like definitely a, a contextual notion of expand and try and do. But also if you're feeling lost, you know, first just ask, you need to ask yourself quality questions. I think that's what I'm really trying to say is yeah. ask yourself quality questions. If you're not asking yourself enough questions and you're just staying in the mundane and, and feeling unfulfilled and feeling empty, um, but putting on a show on the outside, but really inside of the, you know, feeling unfulfilled, um, ask questions. Why? You know, that's the first one. What is it about what I'm doing every day? That's not lighting me up or inspiring me and actually igniting my mission here on, per- on earth. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be some big grandiose thing. Some people's mission is to nurture a beautiful family. Beautiful, go do that. Some people's mission is to open a restaurant. Beautiful, go do that. Finding out what you, your purpose is is really an expression of your values. And your life will already demonstrate what's important to you, you know, by what you spend your energy on, your time on, what you love researching, where you spend your money. Like. There's already clues to what, even as a young person, you value. And as you know, your values will change over time. Like a 22-year-old guy is going to have very different values to a 35-year-old guy. Yeah, that's very So getting present yeah. with what it is you value most for you, because it's very easy to go, oh, well, Instagrams and the billion opinions are telling you to do this. And I think a lot of the mental health issues and a lot of the, the feeling of being lost is just people subordinating to other people's values. Oh, so-and-so said I should be doing this and I should be eating this way and I should be going to the gym and I should be doing this. It's like, yeah, but what about what you want to do and what you value and what actually inspires you? And I think if I was talking to my 22-year-old self or any young man in their 20s is get clear on what it is you value. And you might be listening to this podcast and go, oh, I like really value this, but bring that into your own life. What is it you truly value? What actually lights you up? Where do you have the most attention and where are you the most engaged? That's clearly what you value. And to give yourself the permission to go after what it is you value and not, again, subordinate to mommy and daddy and Instagram and all these other people that will likely want to inject their values onto you.
2: Yeah, because those are are the values they hold to the
1: highest. Absolutely. We've all heard that like very cliche, stereotypical story of like, say, a a Chinese family where the mum and dad are quite strict and they they want him to be a doctor, but the kid actually wants to be a dancer. You know, we've heard the stories of someone even like regular in Australia, I've heard all the time. Yeah, I was 18 and I went off to uni, but then I didn't actually love what I was doing. Well, who made you believe that you had to go off to uni? Oh, it was society's expectations, or it was my dad and it was someone else's. But that's actually not what they wanted to do. And I think if people actually start sitting still and asking themselves the question, what do I love? What do I value? What do I actually am inspired to get out of bed in the morning and go do? It's probably wise to do more of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like you need to just collapse your life now if it's all fucked. <laughs> you, burn, you know, Burn, burn the, uh, the boats to the ground, so to speak, or burn the ships to the ground. It's just adding in more of what it is you love. It could be something so, so simple. I even heard an expression once was that you know, you're not tired because you're doing too much. You're tired because you're not doing enough of the shit that lights you up. And that comes back to values. Yeah, I love that. Everyone has a set of values and a, and a hierarchy of what's most meaningful to get to them, and it's fingerprint specific. Yeah, I don't share the same values as you, you or you, or anyone in this world, and that's what's beautiful. It's unique. It's unique to you, and discovering that, um, again, come back to your question, is what I would be most adamant about speaking to a young man about is work out what it is you love, and just be fucking relentless in your pursuit of going after it. Yeah, yeah. You know.
2: So, and th- th- those would be centered around your values. Hey. Those will be centered around your values, pretty much. Mm. Working out what you love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, I
1: even use. I'm, I'm very big on um, teachings of Dr. John D. Martini, and he has a whole free on his website. You can go literally. He asks you 13 questions, and you can go understand and get clarity on what your life already demonstrates. And there are 13 specific questions that kind of segue off what I'm saying. Together, it spits out a whole Venn diagram. It's like showing you 26% of your life is spent here. You know, for me it's health and wellness, teaching, self-development, facilitation, business. So it will show you what your life already demonstrates because often we get into those fantasies. Oh, I kind of wish my life was like this. I wish I had this in my life. But you're not actually performing the actions daily to go get it. I think if you walk into a room of 100 people and you said, who wants to be financially independent? Every hand would go up, right? Yeah. But then you go, now who's actually taking the daily steps and who values wealth enough to be looking up accounting and stocks and this and investing? And probably most of the room would put their hands down. So we have a fantasy of being financially independent, but our actions aren't congruent to those daily actions, to those daily values. that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why getting clear on your values is so important because, you know, with m- m- the conversation of money, that might be important. Sure. And is in many ways. But you can create that by virtue of what it is you value most. You can go out and serve the world and get paid handsomely for it by doing what you love. And if you love what you do, people are going to love that you love what you're doing and you'll probably get paid for it. Mm. so mean like you can you can work in different areas of your life especially for example financial independence or financial wealth relative to what it is you value but I, I yeah. cannot stress that enough like and I'd rather be earning let me tell you sixty grand a year doing what I love than a million dollars being miserable and hating my life we've all heard this story of you know the very wealthy person that's like super depressed and mm. spiritually bankrupt because yeah. Yeah. they're fucking empty inside they're not doing what's actually congruent to them
2: yeah it yeah. kind of sometimes feels like um, a lot of people doing FIFO and going through this.
1: Absolutely. It's safe. It's easy. They don't have to test themselves. They can then go, well, look, I didn't really fully try. So it's okay to fail. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's maybe the other piece of advice is burn your boats and go full in, you know, go full into what it is you have. Because if you, you know, there's an expression, uh, the man who tries to catch too many rabbits, catches none. If you, if you focus on one thing, and this is, I'm speaking to myself, like definitely me in my twenties, I was trying to do 10 things at once. Yeah. and trying to spread myself thin. And that way they gave me, I guess, subconsciously, this, this backup of like, oh, well, if that fails, that's all good, because I didn't really try. Mm. I didn't really put it all on the line. Yeah, I didn't put yeah. my dick on the table, so to speak. You know, I played it safe, and I was able to feel significant. Look, I'm doing 10 things at once. But actually condensing into the thing that you value the most should probably scare the shit out of you the most, because you have the most to lose, but you also have the most to gain, which is deep fulfillment, freedom, probably cash flow, which is what a lot of men want to create, you know, financial independence that's going to come from having laser-like focus on what what is you love most and that took me years to understand like years and a lot of yeah. trial and error <laughs> yeah a I lot
0: mean, jordan peterson says like some games you can't play unless you're all in you know
1: and this is the game of life it's like are you half in are you lukewarm or again is your dick on the table but, sorry, yeah i know you're all in <laughs> and mm. you know again it's only really more recently that i felt really all in with life and coming out of that in death experience I-, I needed years to integrate that process that that whole unwinding of what had happened and how it shifted my life and then getting clear yeah. of my values and slowly 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 come into this place of like ah it's clear and you know now i have easily an eight to ten year vision but before then it was just like the daily you know you wake up and you're scatterbrained and you mm-hmm. it's hard to retain information you lose focus and you know you have all these symptoms but that is a design function to get you clear in your values you know to design function or hopefully with those 10 things to bang your head against the wall get frustrated so you give them up so you can get back to doing what's truly most meaningful to you we all have an intrinsic value we all have something that's the most deeply meaningful to us that we want to especially again as men but as women ways in which we want to serve the world mm. and um that intrinsic value is also known as your telos which is like known as your teleological identity which is what your identity revolves around If you said Mitch the cricketer, I'd be like, "Mm, that's not me. (laughs) You know, Mitch the mechanic. No, I love cars, but that's not me. It's not all my identity, but Mitch the coach, facilitator, you know, the car guy. Yeah, that's more me. Yeah. You know? And you have the exact same identity. If it's like, oh, I'm more known as this. And the more clarity you get around that and your own values, the more congruent you're going to be to your daily actions. You're not going to feel that scatterbrain, you know? Mm. You're You're going to develop your executive function, which is the forebrain. And that's where you're most objective. It's where you're most balance you have the better orientation you're less emotional you're less polarized you're more centered and and inspired you know and directed and direct yeah Yeah. way more you know the way more ability to hone in but when you don't you drop back into your subcortical part of the brain which is your amygdala it's our animal hindbrain that's when we feel scattered and we feel like we procrastinate and we hesitate and we doubt ourselves and that's all the design function so it was really learning to develop this part oh i didn't know that and um and get clear on values so I could get clear on what it is I want to do with my life because I I know that's coming again that was the beautiful blessing yeah it's like kiss the grim weeper you know oh okay that's coming again when I hope in a hundred years time you know I plan (laughs) of living to over a (laughs) hundred yeah but I know it's coming and uh, I could easily just live a life of comfort I've done that Um, but that's like being in the marina yeah it's nice have a couple of martinis It's, it's great it's comfortable but really life is most fulfilled when you leave the marina and you go out and explore Mm. and you go into your unknowns and your uncertainties and your edges, you know, that's where life really begins. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I saw a beautiful quote actually from Jim quick, I think it was, who said, um, you experience discomfort, either staying in your comfort, sorry, you experience discomfort by staying in your comfort zone or leaving it. So pick your discomfort, Mm. you know? Yeah. Comfort's great but it can only last for so long and I think a lot of um, people are uh, craving just like soul growth, if you will. And again, that requires to expand and, and do something extraordinary with your life.
2: Do you, th- you things that you'd never think you'd be, you'd en- ever entertain? Absolutely. I guess, yeah?
1: And always say, you're not gonna die. Like, and I even mean, if you were, they like, have no control over it. But yeah. if you're not gonna die, like, if you know the thing you're gonna do, like I'm not gonna die, and, you can, and that's the worst of it, you can always work yourself back from that. Especially, you know, we're back in the young 20s, guys, you know, especially financially, go take the risk, you know, smart and intelligently. You don't just blow cash. Yeah. If there's something you want to go do, and I hear this more from the older guys, go do it because you have time to fuck it all up, burn it to the ground, and start over and learn from it. You know, if you're 65 and you've only got a pension, maybe don't take the risk. Yeah. You have so much time, relatively speaking, to learn and grow being younger. And like, I still feel super young and I'm not like I'm old anyway, nor are we. But you know what I mean? Like we're kind yeah. of ironing out more creases now, but I think back, I'm like, man, I'm glad I fucked it all up. Like that was a great time to just learn and mess it up and be messy. So then I could neaten it all out and get clarity.
0: Mm. Ooh, that's beautiful. What, what are some there? practices and rituals that keep you on your toes? That keep you sort of confronting yourself and being able to see yourself and all your pros and cons. And yeah, all my bullshit and limitations. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just recently sold it, but I had an ice bath just out here. It was like a makeshift one that always yeah. goes a long way. And I think, Yeah, I think especially as men, the pursuit of challenge is something that, because we have so much luxury in the modern day, I mean, look Mm. at this, it's not like we're in a tent or a hut or something that we'd have 50,000 years ago. We have all this comfort. Mm. We're acclimatized with these machines called air conditioners, you know, reverse Mm. cycle now. So if you have more comfort, it's probably pretty wise to seek out discomfort because we need to balance pleasure and pain. If if you're ahead of us and you seek pleasure, you're gonna get, again, those whacks in the face because that's not how life works. Life is a yin yang, pain, pleasure, Mm. support, challenge. So to answer your question, like those are more so the things that um, I really entertain. Of course, the gym is one, it's the way you can push mm. yourself, but I do it intelligently now. Mm. It's more about actually building the body than bodybuilding. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And seeking out really um, challenge that benefits myself. And is use stress, not distress, you know? Mm. Cold showers, oh, you know, do cold showers or ice baths, jump in the ocean, that's like usually much my jam. Um, and breathing, just to become constantly centered. Because the amount of times I'm sure you've had that, that, you just go into the head and then you think, and then you're thinking about thinking, and then you're thinking about thinking about thinking, and you just go into a spiral. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we've all well. done that. So it's like, I don't do that anymore, and it's not because like, I'm above it, it's just that, that <coughs> we're not utilizing tools to get us back to presence. Mm. And the breath is the easiest way. It's the easiest portal to just, oh, I'm back in my body and I'm here. Mm. I'm here in the now. Yeah. You know? Well, what does that really mean? People say,
0: you're not in your body, you're back in your body. Like, what, what is, What's really going on there when...
1: Yeah. So, so like, I'm talking to you right now, but I have yeah. spatial awareness to know that like I'm moving my hand and like I, I can be in my body and have a kind of greater awareness of where I am in space and time. Mm. And I'm not dissociated. Dissociating mean like I'm physically on this couch, but I'm really off in La La Land.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. Off your in mind. Is. I'm in yeah. an imaginary
1: world, I'm in a reality which would be dissociated. it's not being in your body, it's being yeah. out of body, right? Mm. And not in the fun out of body travel way. Yeah. yeah. But in a real like dissociated way. And I'm sure so many people, you know, really suffer with that or um, have trouble with that because, you know, especially around even social situations, Mm. they're constantly worried like, what do I look like? Or is that person going like this and that? And then they're they're in their thoughts. They're Mm. not in their body. Well, they're not even really in their being. I would want to say just the body. You want to be in your mind and your body, in your being. Mm. And being in your being is, you know, a state of coherence and a state of presence. It's a state of equanimity and poise. And then you're socially able to engage. You know, um, it's where the body opens, it's where it thrives, it's where health mm. is oriented, it's where wellness is produced, is being in this centered state and kind of to come back is like the breath perfectly yeah. allows you to come back into that state. Even if you're coming off an anxiety attack, it allows you to feel it so you can build resilience and adaptability. Most people are just so afraid to feel their feelings that what they're actually feeling is the resistance to it. They're not actually feeling the feeling itself. Ah, true. Yeah. They're so afraid because of what might have been unsafe in the past, again, through perceptions and their upbringing that in the present, their body blueprint is one of you know, mm. hypervigilance and unsafety. It's easier for them to just stay in their mind, in their mind, it's not actually, but in their perception, it's easier for them to just ruminate and be out of body True. and dissociate, you know? Mm. Yeah. So that's why I about to teach as well is like coming back to the body, because I was so dis- I was so divorced and disconnected from my body. I didn't understand the, the language of the body, the movements, the breaths, what the pain was telling me, what the symptoms were telling me, I didn't understand any of that. So mm. I was you know, totally disconnected. And learning how to breathe, learning how to center myself and be back in my body yeah. was a huge, huge stepping stone to having greater awareness of my entire being as a system, so mm. to speak.
0: That's really interesting. So, the time I spent with you through different courses amongst men, that sort of stuff, I would realize I was out of my body a lot <coughs> just by if I would look at you or talk to you, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm actually not in my body right now. Mm. For whatever reason, you were like this anchoring point of remembering, <laughs> fuck, I'm not in my body. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was always feeling that, like, oh shit, you were just like this grounding rock. Yeah. so i can really see you're really well suited to the, the work that you're doing now with your thank you yeah. is it healing coaching and a lot of things you do that a lot of things
1: layered. yeah it's a lot of things because health and wellness is really my my highest value so i found myself mm. you know again this kind of comes back to zoning in but um there was so much that i just loved about health and wellness and so i really want to explore every discipline about health mm. you know but now it comes more so to um helping people and supporting people reverse chronic illness it's oh, wow. just something that i love doing and i'm stepping into more and more and um about to, you know, launch a, a new platform uh, and mentorship program mm. specifically for the person who either one is done with the medical system; mm. they're tired of the drugs, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're not feeling heard and seen by doctors and specialists. They just feel like they're banging their head against the wall, mm. and they just know there's another way of surely there's another way of doing it because that was my, you know, mm. definitely my story, and I know it's probably millions of people's stories around the world. It's for that person or the person who has symptoms but knows like. There are people who already know that I don't want to go down the drug route. I know there's something I can do, but I'm just not sure quite. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, what I'm, I'm moving into and it's my absolute life's work and I'm putting everything here into creating something for people that is non-dogmatic. They can come and start to understand their bodies, reconnect, learn how to mm-hmm. heal, learn how to thrive in their bodies and, again, go off and do something meaningful with their lives. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. I just want to ensure yeah. that you can go off and do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's my thing, you know? What, what are some mm-hmm. of the themes you're seeing of people coming and approaching you or working, working with you? And... Um, that may be causing chronic illness or yeah.
1: autoimmune disease or things that they're practices that you've given them that really help them to integrate what's going on and move forward. For sure. So I'll kind of split that into two, like what I'm finding when they come to me and then what yeah. I'm really yeah. again Simplistically, the obvious stuff is the obvious stuff. And that's usually the first thing I go, okay, how are you fucking your life up? Let's just call a spade a spade. Mm. Give me the obvious. Come on, how much coffee, how much cigarettes, alcohol, how much sleep? What are the basic fundamentals? Because I'm not going to give you some ashwagandha thing think that's going to solve all your problems if your foundation's completely fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the so most simple basics. I have to go to the basics. People would just be blown away at how much their health could improve if they just dedicated 30 days of their life to auditing the basic fundamental areas of their life. The quality of your sleep. Anyone can lay in a bed for eight hours, but are you up stimulating because you're watching on your phone and you were doing this so you're doing work and you've got strained eyes you've got all this fucking blue light and then you're trying to go to sleep and you're wondering why you're feeling scatterbrained and Mm. there's still this static so how are you (coughs) sleeping how are you eating look i am the first proponent as a health and wellness practitioner to go your diet doesn't have to be some clean fucking organic thing Mm. yes ideally mostly eat fresh foods if they're not organic and they're part of the dirty dozen it's like a list of the most sprayed foods, probably give them a wash, like mm. just do the basics to ensure the food you're putting in is not dog shit. Mm. And yes, I have a burger and fries once in a while cause I love spending time with my friends cause that's mm. healthy for me is social connection. Mm. And I'm gonna have greater advantages and disadvantages by enjoying a burger and fries and worrying about the food and pissing myself laughing and having a great time. Mm. Okay. Uh, how, how connected are you to the earth? You know, that's a big one. We look, we live in concrete jungles now. Most people wake up in a bed, feet unconnected to the earth, put their, we'll have a shower, not on the earth shoes on get into a car go to an office and blue light back in the car come home back in the house that's most of winter it's like when were your feet connected to the electromagnetic surfaces of the earth and the negative ions and mm. the charge of the earth and the microbiome so it's like a divorce from nature like there's that aspect the air we're breathing we're just consistently breathing indoor air that's not really you know circulating well with the natural rhythm of o2 and co2 mm. so again fundamental pillars that's the first bit. I'm going to go straight to like the deepest bit or like one of the deepest bits. And there's probably everything in between, which is some people don't recognize their unconscious motives. And this is one of the biggest things I rip people apart with. Let me give you a personal example. I had over a hundred benefits of me being sick. And I said, people all the time, how does your benefit sick? How does your sickness benefit you? Mm-hmm. And they give me this funny look at the start. They go, what do you mean? Like I'm sick and I don't want to be sick. So why would, why would I, why would it benefit me? And I go, I don't, and I'm not asking you a question with no answer. How does your sickness benefit? And I won't budge until they just sit still and they go and they start to open up parts of the brain where they realize, oh, and it just the penny drops. For me, it was like the the sicker I got at an unconscious level, the more attention I got, the more nurture, the more care. Um, Ah. I got to take off work. It was a cop out if, you know, there was a party that I didn't really want to go to, but I said yes to. I could be like, oh, hey, man, I've had a really bad flare and I can get out of that. Parking tickets I could get out of because I'd say, you know, oh, you know, I had an episode, I was in pain, here's my medical documents. There are all these unconscious benefits to being mm. sick. Some people do it to gain attention and connection. They don't know how to gain connection through authentic love and communication.
2: Mm.
1: So they would literally create an illness in their body to create connection. Some of the deepest stuff I do with people is working out their unconscious, Some people wouldn't even call their shadow, but their unconscious motives as to what's driving these symptoms, which is actually, again, a design function to get you authentic, because you're seeking connection through an inauthentic way, right? Mm. Um, I know people that have literally wished themselves sick, even consciously, because they felt so abandoned, so rejected, so alone, that if they just created illness in the body, then someone would love them. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, man. yeah. Every, that. yeah so that's the kind of the, the, the levels that we kind of go to. There's the super obvious to the super deep and I want to rip out everything and this is why I'm so you know um, big on the value of health and wellness because it's like what makes someone sick and then subsequently then what makes someone healthy? Well, it's finding out your unconscious motives. It's looking at the basics and everything in between to then really prescribe what it is then, what you could do mm. to now reverse that. You know what I mean? It's like if... I bang my head against the wall every single day quite hard. I'm eventually gonna get a red, bruised, swelling area. Mm. So it's like that I don't have hetatitis causing inflammation. I'm banging my head against the wall to cause what a doctor mm. might call hetatitis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Being facetious, but you get what I mean. Mm. So the reverse of that is to stop the root of what I'm doing, which is the behavior driving it. But if I don't know why I'm banging my head against the wall, I'm gonna continue getting symptoms. And you can throw soft pads and steroids and injections and all you want, but if I'm still banging my head against the wall, that ain't going away. Mm. So it's funny, the root of behavior, perceptions, the things that are people doing to drive the symptoms, and then how can we either find viable alternatives or things to reverse or completely stop that behavior, and then you yeah, <coughs> let the symptom go away. And it was a per- perfectly designed function to get you either healthy or authentic. Mm. So that's what I'm about in terms of you know the, the second part is you know what supports, well, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be nutrition. Somebody some people literally alone. I mean, I had a guy with multiple sclerosis. They come, came to me. And uh, he'd spent about $250,000 on doctors and specialists and drugs and injections, wow. you name it. He tried the whole, through the whole system. Mm. And this is why I'm so adamant about what I'm producing, which is called Nirvana Health, mm. is to take people like that who are so tired of this system, so frustrated, to spend their fucking life savings on crap. <clears throat> and I said, and so out of all this time, um, who's asked you about your nutrition? And he looked at me funny. He said, no one. And I said, well, that's understand. understandable. I understand it's doc- not doctor's areas. I get that. But, yeah. you know, surely you've had this for like 15 years. You'd ask the question. No one's asking. I said, well, so what do you eat? And he was a just typical tradie. We'd wake up and have like meat pies and a V energy drink and then a Chico roll for lunch. And so it's like that person alone, you don't need to go into deep shit yet. That
2: still <laughs> blows my mind.
1: Because just literally yeah. putting on some fucking blueberries and some cold pressed juice and cleaning his bowels out and getting some demulcents mm. and anti-inflammatories and...
0: Yeah, Lean protein and vegetables.
1: That alone, and his symptoms. Like within a week, like thirty percent of his symptoms, forty percent, just like we're washing away.
0: A quarter of a million dollars. Yes, yeah, a quarter million dollars. My mind. Yeah, over
1: thirty wow. drugs. Yeah, I've I've heard stories like this all the time. And another guy who had like gastroparesis, he spent over a hundred thousand dollars on practitioners, and no one could help him.
2: I just did not understand. I don't want, like, isn't like it's such a simple question. What, what are you using to fuel the machine that's your body?
1: Well, if I gave you the keys to a Lamborghini, I don't think I'd ever see you put butter or Coca-Cola in it. Exactly. So we sometimes treat the, you know, and I know there's context to this, but we sometimes often and often treat the inorganic machines that have no life value to us better than ourselves. Yeah. And as you know, there's more to it than just the fuel, but that's certainly a big one. What you put in your mouth is going to become you. We don't have to, again, obsess that because one Snickers bar, oh, God, a Snickers bar, I'm going to, no. Context. But the reality is that the foundation of your nutrition is fueling your muscle growth, your skin, your hair, your bones, your nail, everything. And we know we age. We know the body breaks down. If you look at the suppleness of a child and the way that their hair shines and skin shines to old grandma and grandpa, that's a process. And if you want to accelerate that by punishing yourself or eating shit or da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all these unnecessary stresses that maybe you put upon yourself, that's going to accelerate the death process. Yeah. And again, your body wants to live for its entirety but if you accelerate that it's you're going to know about it it's it's wise it's going to help you by showing you giving you pain or fatigue you. or brain fog or yeah. some sort of symptom to go hey we need some attention here yeah y'all. y'all shit's fucked <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a little bit and you know, we have these acute to like the subacute stages and that's like you know the ache and the this and the that so then you're chronic bang 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 to like your degenerate stages and you got to be careful because some people aren't coming back from that i had a guy um i've I recently shared it todd um he came to me and he was in the exact same boat ulcerative colitis diagnosed going through every single drug you can imagine and was so frail in the end the trauma team came to me in a hospital he was in queensland his family were in new south wales and said
2: came to you uh
1: so no he came to he came to me as so, and he rang me yeah, to work yeah, together yeah but prior to that well, literally i think the day of it the trauma team in the Queensland hospital had come to him and said, we really encourage you to ring your family and bring them up from New South Wales because we don't know if you're going to make it out in the next couple of days. Wow. I said, you could die. And then this motherfucker <laughs> rings me on the phone. Hey. You know, he had heard about my story and heard about recovery and what I was doing. Yeah. And I was like, he, so he was at the degenerate stages. And I'm going like, bro, with what you're telling me, you either probably, you're going to lose your colon or you could die. Like, I just want to let you know. I didn't bullshit him. Yeah. I said, but if we work together, we're working together from yesterday. And we got straight to it, man. And took him nine months but this guy got off every single drug and he's off thriving now you know so Damn, that's it's, a it's, powerful it's story. possible in context like my colon was perforated and necrotic jesus christ isn't coming down to say that you need a surgery you need it yeah down. so um there were re- i think there were reasons i had to go through this process but i also know that you can be pretty messed up and you can still make it back yeah will it take time absolutely is it gonna be a lot of work absolutely what do you want you know, that's the other thing too, is asking people when they come to me, are you willing to give up all the things that made you sick in the first place? You know? Yeah. And that, th- there's context in that too. Maybe you're coming with me, drinking 40 drinks a week. Well, you still can have two wines a week. That's not going to kill you. If you had stage four cancer, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but we do it and eliminate completely. I want people to know that healing doesn't have to be something that takes over your life. It can be integrated into your life. And someone's yeah. healing can be rapid, like super rapid. I one lady, same thing, colitis. Mega amounts of pain. And we made the initial changes, they didn't give everything, just some initial changes. And she just voice messages me the next day and said, I don't know what the fuck you've done or said or what I'm doing, but like almost all my pain has gone. And it's like, so perception to pain and healing can, can take place rapidly if we align things into the right no place.
2: places and do the right things. Can't push a square yeah.
1: peg through a round hole, right? So, yeah. and some people go for years and go, I'm trying, I'm trying to heal, I'm trying to heal. And it's not that their efforts aren't wasted, it's just that the things that they might be doing might not be congruent to actually getting them past the line. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm trying in the gym. I'm trying to build muscle. Well, is maybe the 20 reps you're doing is maybe too light and you're not eating enough protein and not having enough sleep and not progressively overloading. You know what I mean? Like the person might be trying in the gym, but what they're but, doing might not be optimal. Yeah. But we think through our perception, oh, because I'm doing all this thing, I've tried everything. No, you haven't. You just tried what you've tried. And maybe what you've tried isn't optimal. Maybe a little bit, but not optimal. So... This comes tr- with, Yeah, you can always tweak
2: and change. Always tweak and right change. Things. And this yeah. comes
1: back to like, yeah, what it is that I would prescribe. Well, It just depends. Every single person is different. Mm. There are some fundamental pillars, no question. Um, but that's why I'm designing what I'm <coughs> designing and creating what I'm creating is because mm. I've seen people heal like, for example, colitis through subconscious work, through fasting, through nutritional interventions, through breath work. I've seen the same quote-unquote disease healed in different ways. So I'm never going to say you need to do this to cure your colitis or you need to do this to cure your scler- multiple sclerosis. I am mm. not gonna say any of that. I'm going to go, here are the tools you can use, Pharma works for you. And here's based on what you're presenting with and what your language is telling me that would likely and confidently help, but you got to walk your own pathway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a very different to like the common medical standard where they have this book and these are the symptoms this is what you've told me. Correct. Okay, And this is the drug that I can give you. Correct. Whereas if you give them all right, these are the tools that you can use, find what's right for you. Because at that time, you're also speaking with that person's intuition. Mm. And you're speaking to that person's like, deeper conscious mind. It's like,
1: okay. Absolutely.
2: This is what's speaking to me. Let me pull it in. This is what my yep. body is telling me. Yeah. Let me pull it in.
1: And thank God the medicine's there for people who don't want to be accountable. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested in people that are wanting to be accountable for their life. Every area of their life, they want to actually promote wellness in their body and healing and regeneration, because let me tell you, it happens. If I get on a skateboard today and I fall off and graze my forearm, I'm going to have a nasty cut. But I don't need to go, can you please heal arm? It's just going to do it. We have a self-healing, self-governing machine. However, if I buy some 20 grit sandpaper and I just rub a little bit every hour of every day on that wound, it ain't healing. Yeah. It could be one thing, one little set bit of sandpaper that's fucking up your whole thing. Mm. Uh, it could be a relationship, it could be in the environment, it could be one particular food. And so the health journey can be um, a bumpy one. It's not, certainly not linear. You don't just, oh rainbows and unicorn farts. You yeah. Know? Um, but this is, again, the beauty of discovering your inner well, your inner garden, and how to tend to it. And again, create wellness and thrive.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, I love that, mm. I love that. Going into like a, a grander sense, what do you feel like is happening in the world at the moment when we look out and we hear about things like Russia Ukraine war and Neuralink and just sort of the madness of the world, but also the how things are traveling and moving so quickly? Mm. And what do you think is, is that catalyst for some grand awakening or is this just a part of the process? Or what do you really feel?
1: How deep you want to go?
0: Well, just first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. I, like-
1: I think the world is doing what the world has always done. It's just that we have attention heightened or softened based on what comes out of a TV screen, what comes out of our mobile phones. It's very easy to make judgments based on what we see. Mm-hmm. There are billions of things happening at every moment, but we're only seeing four things. Russia, UK war, and this happening, we're not seeing all the beautiful and ugly things that are happening behind closed yep, doors that yep. are making it to a TV screen or a news mm-hmm. channel. So I think, in, like, to answer again that question is like, the world is doing what the world has always done. If I think about the cogs in the system that's been driving this, you know, Keynesian economy, uh, economics, And the Federal Reserve and the US dollar that's all coming to an end no question and if you look back at all the currencies um, from the Spanish pesos and there was the UK pound British pound every 90 to 110 years the economy collapses Mm. because it's based on fraudulent economic economics it's non-sustainable it's monopoly money they print money it's Mm. it's non-sustainable and then you add interest to it I always tell people like this I'm not I'm not well-versed in money economics but I understand the basics But let's just say I have all the money in the world, $100, and I give you a loan of $10. And I say, Brett, I'll give you $10, but you've got to pay me back interest. And I have all the money in the world, by the way. Mm. Where are you getting the money from?
0: From you. Well, if you get money to someone else, I'll take his money and pay that back to you. It's
1: all based on debt. It's a cyclical debt process. And and it goes out, and then through hyperinflation, it gets sucked back in. And then, unfortunately, the people that use it at the bottom suffer. Mm so that feels like to kind of again come i'm speaking to different points but bringing it all back is what's happening what it feels like and based on the opinions of experts not not mitchell vickridge this is you know don't shoot the messenger is you're seeing the collapse of a a broken economy i mean the us is uh, i heard a good friend of mine once say that um the us is like a third world country with a gucci belt (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 uh... it's just it's collapsing in and of itself and this is the natural pro it has to happen people don't realize this too the opposite of life isn't death. Life is eternal. The opposite of death is birth. Mm. Things are born and things are die. That's with everything. Children are born, old people die. Economies are born, economies die. Mm. Roman Empire was born, Roman Empire died. Like everything has a birth and death cycle. It could be a very short term or a long term. I think what you're seeing now also too with the advent of these smartphones, which you know have been around for probably 20 years, maybe yeah, Something yeah. like that, yeah. Like 30, 15, 30 years. Yeah. Um, But you think about the human genome, which I think is 200,000 years old or something. We've had 20 years of information that's been just catastrophically exponential. Mm. So I think what you're seeing is also the mirroring, I say the mirroring, the the lensing or the microscopic nature of advancement. It's like the agricultural revolution was 10,000 years and then you had the scientific revolution was about 450 years and then the industrial revolution about 180 years give or take. So you're seeing these revolutions like telescope in time because information is becoming more available and more readily available, we're, we're communicating more um, efficiently. It has its downsides, but it's got plenty of upsides, right? So I think what you're gonna see um, is likely some sort of collapse, and people think, oh, what does that look like? It's gonna be the end of the world. It happens over time. Mm. It's not like we thought the end of the world was happening in 2008 with the GFC. It just kind of happened. Yeah. There was a news story, and then mm. someone's business <coughs> goes down. It just, it all happens, and then through the death process, it's like the Phoenix Rising, things are then born. Mm. just like cow shit grows mushrooms you know yeah so death and birth is is a part of life it's the yin yang cycle we're seeing the end of an economic cycle as far as i'm aware again listening to some of the best economic experts in the world and through that you see the collapse of that society relative to that economy and then you'll see a new society emerge right um again it won't be like a light switch it'll just be this elusive Elusive, fading you won't even really notice it because you're so present Mm. to it
2: yeah, but yeah. I also think it's quite interesting because you're having that economical model like um, kind of crumble within itself while you're also having a birth of like a digital yes huge econ- economy within yeah. itself you've got all these like uh, you get like the human consciousness kind of evolving as well at the same time so it's like so many different things like mm. pivoting at the same point in time Absolutely. I find that's very rare yeah I don't think we've ever had that a point where we're having like a I'm, I'm, I'd probably say an AI itself is like an, it's an old digital consciousness itself. Mm. You know, like in it's it's at its birth. Mm. We've never there's never been a time where we have like a another another. I I would predict it's eventually going to become its own sentient being, because like the amount of knowledge that an AI that's in, that's well connected and is able to be is able to eventually make decisions has access to an infinite amount of knowledge about us. Mm. Which is a powerful thing. Yeah. So that's being created. We have an economical shutdown. Human consciousness is like arising within itself. And then we have like a the money model is just going to shit. So like what's the next ten to fifty years gonna look like? Yeah.
1: Crazy. I'm I'm all here for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious because yeah. I, I genuinely believe like AI is either going to make us evolve a lot quicker because we wouldn't have to waste our time and energy on things that Correct. we don't need to, yep. or it's going to destroy us.
1: Mm. I, I I can't see, I think we're going to be fine. I think there's a lot of, you know, we've, we've had that many... Years of people saying the end of the world is coming, the end of the world, this, end yeah. Of that. I just, I just don't bite anymore. I, I kind of, sort of, I was like, or oh, all fucked. <laughs> but I, I've actually come out of that quite a bit. I think that's a very cynical way of looking at the world, the magnificence of the human mind, um, the stupidity too, for sure. Look, again, everything has two sides. Yeah. AI, like you said, is gonna, it's gonna do amazing things. It's gonna have medical technology. It's gonna save grandma's life or the person you love the most. It's gonna increase productivity when no one has to fucking drive. So your one hour commute, so you can actually be productive. Yeah. It's gonna increase economic velocity. Like it's gonna be lots of things, but it's also gonna come at the cost of something else. There's never a gain without a loss, never a positive without a benefit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the nature that's of life true. is you cannot, can I have your cake and eat it too? You know, there's never a yin without a yang. So it's just, it's just openings and evolution. And I'm excited for it. Um, I think, yeah, we have brilliant minds and you're seeing now through so much of this old archaic model, that's coming to light. So new innovations can come forward. That's how you innovate is you have good and bad, you know, support and challenge. That's how innovation occurs. You know, it's like muscle yeah. growth. How does it grow? Well, it's through challenge and it's through breaking it yeah. down yeah. to build new, more adaptable, resilient. You're seeing it all the time. And again, it's easy to think that that's the world when it's just fucking covid blasted and monkeypox and all the bullshit uh, propaganda. Mm-hmm. That's the design function to keep people you know, stuck and, and living like animals like in fear. But the innovators are the people that are, you know, in the pursuit of challenge. They're creating things. They're cleaning up the oceans. They're cleaning up the air. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, when I was doing the um, the breakthrough experience with John too, he was talking about. You know, he talks to some of the greatest minds in the world. Is that John D. John Martini, Martini yeah. 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 Nobel laureates, you know, quantum physicists, and all kinds of crazy people that you'd never see on Channel Seven News. Mm. You know, saying that in a hundred years we'll be interstellar. You know, so within our oh, lifetime, that's a, that's, we're looking interstellar. That's that's wow. quite a short time. Short time, but it's a bit like the Mars thing that people didn't think we'd get to Mars till like twenty forty or something. You know, assuming this is all true, by the way. Yes. So it's like we're we're surprising ourselves through the speed at which we're able to do things. Yeah. And I think that to, that's not going to slow down because again, information, it's it's moving towards more efficiency, not inefficiency. Yeah. Yes, there's more information. That's why discernment and extrapolating of data is important and knowing your own inner truth and stuff like that. But we have more innovation, more brilliant minds and we are evolving. You know, yeah, it's yeah. easy to just to think, oh, we're going back to this and that. Look, we just gotta get with the times. You came to this earth in this point in time. If you wanna live like a tribal man, go to a past life 5,000 years ago and go live out in the heart. Now, I love that life too, by the way. I can't wait to have my own sort of like block of land and just do the easy life and the farming. But the reality is, is the world is technologically evolving. And we're going to need more eventually to inhabit than just one planet. I mean, how celestial do you want to go? We have an entire universe. It's like, how big could we go? If you showed someone a smartphone even even 100 years ago, they'd think you'd be a fucking witch.
2: Yeah, yeah, literally. And we're just like, answers it, so are smart. They probably could. I'm, just,
1: I'm just scrolling Instagram again to see someone like doing an eating challenge. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But to the average person, even 50 years ago, they'd be like, what the fuck but, is yeah. this? Mm. Everything we use today will be outdated. Everything, you know? Um, which is
2: which is also sc- Wild to think about. Wild. Uh, yeah, it's wild. even think about,
1: like, he's the oldest person that's living today, 100 years. I mean, that's 1920, just post-World War One. what they would have seen. You know, we're going to see probably the exact same thing, but telescopes, you know? Yeah. It's it's going to have this, almost like this, like, what I feel like it's like this inflection point where you're just going to see revolutions in each lifetime. Yeah. You know, yeah. constant. Something which is birthing.
2: Yeah, even for us, I think we, we've seen some pretty crazy stuff. We've seen, like, um... We've got to see the internet, smartphones, yep. and we've got to see what else—HD, HD TVs, and yep. cameras—all in the same like, lifetime. Yeah, which, 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 to me is massive. Like you think about our grandparents. Like nah, our grandparents think. would never experience any of that nah. stuff in the same lifetime. You've
1: seen those drones now. Seen those flying nice. machines. Yeah, you got fucking rockets from Elon Musk that are like taking off and landing back again. Like you got some cool shit. So, yeah, you've got you got some know, crazy cool shit. Even like it's a Zoom meeting,
0: you're talking to someone in France, Ukraine, Russia. Like. Yep. China all at the same, all the same time. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. insane.
1: Yeah, and it's like if you value traditional living, which again is like a big staple of mind, then go do that. And how can you integrate it? If you're choosing to live in Western society, you can't project what you want in that society. It's a collective society. It's an amalgamation of all minds and all beings. Mm. And if you want to make a difference, then go make a difference. You know that's how you influence is by being the change. You exemplify the change you want to see. Mm. I want to see the health and wellness model change. I mean, uh, Australian statistics are sometimes hard to, to find, but USs are pretty easy. Only 5% of the US would be considered in optimal health. That's 70% crazy. are basically in sub-health, and the rest, which is 75 which is 25%, are chronically ill.
0: Mm. Even like 40% of the whole world is on one medication. One medication, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. or at least one medication, and I think there was... I think it was 60% of the world was on one, at least one medication, yep. and there was a 40% on two medications two. or more, yeah. which is Which is crazy. Nuts. Wow. Yeah. Crazy.
1: So it's like, that's probably being needed to show the ill effects of the industrial revolution and mm-hmm. having quick access to agriculture and foods. Like, how quick is it? You can pull out your phone, I can access to drugs, food, and porn in an instant. Mm. The three things that would keep one a man lazy, yeah. you know, and just banging his head against the wall and feeling uninspired and weaken him. But that's, that's, you know, people say, oh, the system's doing all that. That's weak. You're allowing them to do it. If mm. you wanna make a change in the world, exemplify the difference.
0: That's true. Well, I think I mean? the system in a way is us. People complain about politicians and all these different people, but it comes from us, what we feed into. Even the big businesses, they wouldn't survive unless we were giving them the money every day. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So it's just like, they're just a reflection of what we allow. Absolutely. It's like, um, what does Hunter Evans say? What you tolerate is what you get. Yeah. Yeah, And if you don't
1: empower an area of your life, someone else will overpower it. Big business, someone else, a family member, any area you're not not empowering and from Mm. within, you will be overpowered. What do you think is
0: one of the ways that you could change your state or as quickly or as efficiently to go from doubt fear into power and action
1: mm.
0: or some quick tools
1: yeah um don't try to solve with thoughts if you know it's albert einstein's quote you can't solve a problem at the level of consciousness that was created mm. so if you're running into a something don't try to solve it to something because that's that's like banging your head against the wall yeah first of all again breath most people I would say that's the most, the most valuable thing, one, because it's free, two, it's instantaneous. You could do it anywhere. You know, a little bit of anxiety here, breathe. I'm at the office, can't move anywhere, breathe. Um, I even had some experiences after the week and I did with Martini, and then I had a whole bunch of shit because I was with him for 20 something hours. Had all these emails, had all this work ahead of me. It's Monday morning, I hadn't had a lot of sleep and I thought, fuck, and I just felt this like overwhelm and I hadn't felt that for quite a while because I'm usually pretty like structured in what I'm, my capacity for everything. And so I'm at the laptop and I was just feeling this feeling. So that's another thing. Probably step number two is feel your feelings, give yourself permission to feel. But I just came to the couch, I laid down, I connected with my breath, and I regulated my body, regulated my being. Mm. And I use probably the breath more instantaneously because that's the easiest way to bring coherence to the body and to the mind. Mm. Then, once you can just give yourself permission to feel your fear or feel your anger or feel your anxieties or whatever sensations are arising in the body. Which by just by breathing and breathing deeply into your belly will probably calm down half of it, if not more. Then you can get back into the mind to start asking questions: mm. Why is this here? What am I afraid of? Where are my perceptions? How am I perceiving this thing? Again, perceptions create reality. Mm. Um, so, if I have some sort of massive fear, I'm assuming that what I'm about to go into has more disadvantages and more threat than it has advantages and gain. So maybe I'm falsely perceiving this thing in front of me and I'm not considering actually all the upsides, which would neutralize a lot of the fear. Yeah. So again, asking quality questions is really a design function to help balance out your orientation. Because usually when we have these big emotional volatilities or these big symptoms of fear and anxiety, we're, we're diluted in our perceptions. Mm. We're not seeing or thinking or feeling clearly, we're actually having something that's lopsided or it could be a past perception that's coming into the present that's driving your, your current perception. You know, so I would say those two things is one get into your body and breathe and give yourself permission to feel because again Most people are dissociating or running Mm -hmm. and then they're trying to figure out the problems in their head, which just never works Or very rarely But then once you feel more in your body and a bit more regulated a bit more coherent here in the now Then just start asking questions and be curious because if you make statements it uses a very particular part of the brain If you ask questions it opens up completely different parts of the brain. Yeah when you're curious about something going Why is this here? you access parts of your being or your mind that you wouldn't otherwise access. It was just, oh, this is happening, this is happening, and I need to do this, and then we try to control, and get into those, again, those animal survival states. That's probably not gonna help serve you. you We wanna play, uh, again, a higher level, so you solve the problem, quote-unquote, at a new level of consciousness, or or a more evolved and expanded way.
2: Yeah, and how do you structure those questions to have the most amount of benefit? In your mind, because I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna ask, you're asking yourself these questions, but it's kind of like um, if you're asking yourself a negative question, your brain's going to give you a negative answer. So yeah. if you're asking yourself a positive question, um, it's going to give you a positive answer. So how would you personally structure that question to give you the most amount of benefit? Yeah, yeah great question.
1: <clears throat> My answer is really it depends on the, on the situation because every emotion can probably bring a different question like if yeah. i'm feeling strong levels of regret i might ask different questions To if i'm feeling just some anxious tendencies or i'm feeling anger and frustration they would probably elicit different questions the first one is just why so it's first is the what and that's giving yourself permission what am i feeling okay breathe into that and give it space again so I'm trying to resist it because that's half the issue is the resistance of feeling feelings so the what is the first what is it i'm feeling <clears throat> and then the next when i start asking the questions is really why and that usually gives you quite a clear answer. Well, it's because you know you did this, this, and this, and maybe you fucked up here and you said you do this and you didn't, and that's why that person was shitty, and then they got angry and you got frustrated and da-da-da-da-da. So usually just asking why something will pop. And then if I'm more resentful of something or someone, it's asking what are the benefits? Because I'm assuming that there's more conscious downsides and upsides, and that's never the case. You're never gonna yeah. really get a one-sided experience. So if I'm more resentful and and in the negative poll, I will start to go what are the upsides what's it teaching me what are the lessons what am I learning Mm -hmm. and that often neutralizes something because then I'm accountable to myself it's not what happens to us it's what we do with that information Mm. so and the same thing if I'm very enamored and excited and infatuated I'm all positive you know you go into a business adventure oh man this is so good look for the downsides you know again I'm trying to balance orientation so if I'm finding myself polarized in whatever I'm feeling I'm gonna usually ask the opposite and balance my orientation, balance my perceptions, and then I come back to presence and equanimity. And then you'll find the symptoms go away because now you're balanced, poison, present. So that usually, I've had that experience actually about two weeks ago uh, when I was sitting at the weekend I had. And again, I just laid on the couch, I breathed, I felt it all, I asked questions. And within 30 minutes, I was like kicking ass. And then spied again in two seconds, you know, it's like, you can change your state. It's not about positive thinking. People need to get out of this positive thinking mindset. It's a bunch of crap. It's a billion dollar, probably a trillion dollar industry to give people a dopamine high for three fucking nanoseconds. It's like a quick sneeze. And then they go back into feeling negative and then they shame themselves or judge themselves because, oh, but I should be thinking more positive. Yeah. Positive thinking doesn't work. So it's kind of like mental jerking off. It's a mental masturbation exercise. Yeah. It doesn't, go find me a magnet in the world that has a positive pole without a negative one. Go find me a single atom that has a proton without an electron. Go find me a, a, a molecule without an acid and a base in pairs. You're never gonna find it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All acids work with bases, all protons work with electrons, all positive poles work with negative poles. And the moment you start to move beyond the illusion, that's also liberation of the mind, because the mind is of conscious creation. And it likes to positive, negative, judge this, judge yeah. that. You know? But when you get beyond the mind into awareness of your mind, that's how you can help balance your orientation. And if you're balancing your psychology, you can be guaranteed you're balancing your physiology. That's the mind body connection. Yeah, yeah. And you I can't love that. separate the two.
2: Like you try to maintain it as
1: stoic as possible. Poised, you're stoic, yeah. yeah. Poised, yeah. yeah. And that's that's where maximum growth and function occur, is at the, the center of support and challenge. You know, if you're too supported, you're going to become that lazy weed smoker and become weak and, you know,
0: unbenefit.
1: Yeah. <coughs> if you're too challenged, you're going to become burnt out and get shitty and angry and resentful. You need both. You need you stress, which is the challenge that's going to benefit you, and you need support to make you feel supported. To help you. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah same is yeah. true for thoughts, or like you said, when you have an issue, it like, comes up, well, where am I in balance? Because you might find your breathing's quite imbalanced. It's, it's sympathetic dominant. Survival oriented. Okay, well, let's, let's bring some regulation back. And that helps the mind clear. And then we can ask the questions and get balance and orientation.
2: I feel like it seems like that's a very good way to manage expectation versus reality. Oh, bro. I mean, it's that's like a what a lot of
1: anger is for a lot of people. It was yeah. for me too, is expectations either on yourself. You know, a spouse, children, projecting your values, what you think they should do. They're not doing it, getting shitty and angry. Well, that's your own reflection. Or even the world. This was a big part of my anger when I went through the COVID pandemic, um, was my projection of how I thought the world should be. You know, it was, yeah, it was yeah, reality, yeah. but then I projected my values of what I thought how the world should be through this pandemic and how they should have gone about it. But that's me projecting. Uh, yeah. Is yeah, not that reality.
0: <laughs> People are gonna do awesome. what
1: they think is right for them to give them the greatest advantage of a disadvantage in any moment, in any moment, consciously or unconsciously. So the people that were doing the things that they thought was right, they're gonna be doing that. And I might go, that's fucking dumb or that's part of the system and that's all corrupt and that's this and that's that. That's my own, own stuff. Yeah, that's your,
2: yeah, your own expectation. You, yeah. just, you yeah. just do you boo. It's just you do you boo. You, yeah, if
1: if yeah. we grounded ourselves in reality and where yeah. people are gonna do what they're gonna do and how can I understand their values relative to mine, Yeah. So if I'm ever engaging, I can get what I want relative to them and they can get what they want relative to me. Yeah. And then you have equal and sustainable fair exchange. Yeah. Now no one's winning or losing, you both are growing.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned throughout the whole um, pandemic is just kind of like, as long as you're not impeding my values, I'm not gonna impede in yours, let's just go on separate yeah. ways.
1: Yeah. And I even really struggled with the whole travel thing because I really value travel. And yeah. it's like, well, that was you know, taken away from me, so to speak. Yeah. So that's a good example of where my orientation was imbalanced because I thought it's all bad, no good. It's all bad. It's all fucked. I can't travel. And I was very, very self-centered as well. But really, think about you know the benefits to the atmosphere and the amount of planes out of the sky. I could get clear on what it was important here. I could actually be grounded and create more business and structure and more relationships, and I benefited a ton from not being able to fly. So sometimes we get into those juvenile expectations of yeah. like, oh, I want it and I want it now, and you know it's mm. not fair. And that drives so much, again, anger and frustration and futility, because we're perceiving the world through our self, you know, egocentric lens and not reality, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very true. It's so true. Yeah, That was a big wake up call for me, a big slap in the face.
2: Yeah, no, it was m- much the same, much yeah. the same. We all were. Huge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fair, huge one. Fair run. enough. Yeah, we yeah. Were all learning and grown, that's for sure. Yeah, Given that you're so into like health and wellness, it seems like it's one of your biggest values. Where do you, this is gonna be a little bit out there, but like where do you, cause I, I personally believe that medical technology isn't where it should be given the place that we are with like com- communication technology. Mm. I feel like it should be a lot further. Mm. Like if you're looking at stem cell research, um, we're looking at the amount of knowledge that they have around like enzymes and stuff like that. They should be significantly further. Mm. Like surgery technology, they are quite, they're still pretty ahead because I think one of the biggest ones that they made recently was um, a skin graft for someone who's, who's had the burns. burns yeah. yeah, which I found very interesting. However, in comparison to the progression that they've made with communication technology, I just feel like they're still kind of behind. Mm. What do you think the, the, most, the next step would be for proper health and wellness technology to be kind of binded with like medical technology, the standard? Yeah.
1: There's actually so many subordinatives of this conversation. What I will say, though, is that it's not just the system's fault. Remember, they are giving something to someone who doesn't want to be accountable. Because you say like, you know, we should be further along. Anytime I hear we should Should be, be, that's again, your imperative of your projection of where we should be based on, right? That's facts, yeah. Whereas like reality is just reality. And there are so many incredible biotechnology centers and medical centers and technological advancements that are, especially in Europe, um, Japan and Korea and all those kinds of places, um, they are making massive, massive waves. So it's not just that we need to see Western technology and biomedical technology you know, come more to the mainstream, it's that people also need to start becoming accountable. And it costs a lot of money. I mean, yeah. even just do a randomized controlled truck which cost someone $100,000. Well, unless you're a pharmaceutical company, unless you've got a, you're some sort of humanitarian philanthropist, like where the hell are you gonna get $100,000 cash for one study? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so the other is just you know and we're probably also looking at it from a very celestial point of view which is like oh come on hurry up but it's like actually at the level of earth it's probably happening quite quickly yeah yeah it's just like like come on hurry up go faster work you know yeah yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. we should come tomorrow get with the stick yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. So, it's like we as a collective need to start taking massive responsibility and i think again big tech or well, not so much big tech but certainly big pharma and big industry have shone a light on people's divorcing from their own responsibility, that's been the perfect counterpart to show yeah, the level no, very of true, accountability people are not taking. But now you're seeing a massive flip. I mean, I'm also probably filtering for it because it's obviously my value, but I see when I open my phone, the, the health and wellness Instagram pages and in. I read the articles and I'm reading some studies or I'm reading research on what is happening in that area. And there's a huge amount of change. It's, it's actually enormous. It's just, it's gonna take time. And we're so used to seeing it the way it was, that also takes time for our perception to slowly change. But the new earth is still going to be, you know, I see it as the integration. That's one thing I would love is uh, kind of in my time before I die, is, yeah, more of an integration where university is even a change. You know, I don't don't see myself going down that path because that's going to take an incredible amount of manpower and influence. But all doctors should have at least six months of nutrition, sciences at least, minimum, minimum six months nutrition sciences. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't project I that, right? That. But I yeah. think that's that's a fair call to make based on the fact that these people want to I'm um, every doctor, you know, why do you want to become a doctor? And they will say, I wanted to help my patients. Okay. You want to be as efficient as it, and as proficient and as effective as possible. You should probably look at their nutrition, you know, and then lifestyle orientation. That should probably be another six months, you know. Integrative care and working on the pillars of their health. So they ensure that they're encouraging their patients mm. who might not have otherwise gone out, like myself or like you, to go take responsibility. They consolidate responsibility by having someone support them in that process. But that's, as you know, that's directly in, in influence, or sorry, directly in contradiction, I should say, to the big CEOs that want to make billions of dollars. They're, they're looking at shareholders that need to make, they need to ensure that they're serving their shareholders. Mm. Everyone's playing their part to serve someone or something or some agenda or some value. So it, it is changing, but it's probably gonna take, yeah, again, the collapse of this society, the emergence of a new, it's not gonna come by solving the current problem of oh, yeah. big pharma and going after them. It's gonna come from people taking responsibility and they're not willing, they're not keep pulling out their 300 bucks a month for their prescriptions. Yeah. That's how you take care <clears throat> of it. Again, you don't solve it at the level of the problem. Oh, fuck big pharma and this and that and fuck yeah. vaccine, whatever you fight you're trying to create, that's not gonna work. It's creating the new game and the new level of thought and feelings and perceptions and actions that I actually pull that to the ground or at least level it out. We need pharmaceutical companies.
2: We need pharmaceutical
1: companies. Because again, if I'm in an accident, I want fentanyl and anesthetic and probably have some morphine if I got heaps of pain. Mm. That's gonna require a pharmaceutical company. It's gonna require me to pay taxes for that service. And I'm glad it's there. I've not paid one medical bill in like the last 10 years, apart from my private personal stuff. Yeah. Mm. I've easily used, easily I would say, half a million dollars of resources had I needed to pay for that. So thank God we pay taxes and have a system where pharmaceuticals and hospitals are there to support people they, when they, they need it. Also very important. Yeah. Now, had, this is again, the new earth, the new game. Had I had the education and had had a doctor tell me about the importance or a healer or something more integrative, I would likely not have needed that. But it was there because that's how I was living my life. Yeah. So again, it's, it's all there and it's all perfect until we keep rising up, so to speak, and evolving in our ways of being where well, that wouldn't be needed. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully you see the numbers start to come down, the rate of type 2 diabetes and cancer and this and that. War and terrorism, all these murder, all these things, they, they are the, the t- look, they're horrible, obviously, in and of itself. But they're the tiniest things. The cancers, the heart diseases, the diabetes, the mm. all the health issues right now are the biggest burden. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry. And it, it's like, how can we turn the noise down? How can we turn the dimmer switch down? Because if people were healthy, they would need their insulin. People more healthy, they would need their you know, bypass surgery, mm. taking up all those resources that we just don't need had we have preventative and integrative care. A true healthcare, not sick care prevention or sick care management.
2: It seems like this is something that starts, uh, start, it would either start when you're really young in high school mm. or it, it just starts at home.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it would just start at home. Well, I mean, did you ever, learning, did you ever learn to breathe in school or meditate or? No, nah, not eat at all. Or? It's just linear parabolas and a, yeah, a bit of science here and a bit of yeah. English lit there. I feel like I didn't even
0: learn how to learn <laughs> at school.
1: Legit. That's, yeah. That's Legit. True. Because that's, yeah, what, that's, um, that's what Dr. Kaufman says is, uh, it was Dr. Cowan, you, when you go to medical school, you're not told how to think. You're not taught how to think. You're told mm. what to think. Mm. And so the free thinkers, the people that are a bit more fringe and a bit more spiritually immune and aware, they're the ones that question the so status quo. Again, mm. in context, you need to know immunology and pathology and how to prescribe, da, 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 da. But if you're not taught how to problem-solve and how to look at a human being and how to listen mm-hmm. to them how to hear what their body's saying what their language is telling them mm-hmm. what the symptoms of their face and their body are telling them then th- your capacity to help is limited 100 yeah yeah that's, that's quite
2: interesting because um i think i was reading a, a book was it was a book by Johan noble Do um, remember. Um, not sapiens he wrote another book mm-hmm. um, and he was talking about how <clears throat> In the medical industry, the easiest people would be to replace our doctors hmm. because effectively what a doctor does is you're going to tell him the symptoms and he's just going to give you a... Cut, burn, or poison. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if it's a nurse, a nurse is going to come, mm. you. you're going to have a chat, you going to be an emotional connection, you're going to yep. feel comfortable, um, she's going to take your blood, she's going to do this, she's going to do that. She hmm. actually has to be there physically. Mm. Where a doctor really doesn't. So it's technically, they'd probably be able to create like a a huge database that'll cross-reference the symptoms that the nurse says, and it's gonna give you an easy diagnosis. Because Mm. it'd be the easiest to replace a doctor. Versus a nurse.
1: Yeah, you can't replace that. You can't replace that, That's that human touch.
2: So that's actually quite interesting. Interesting Interesting perspective. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. well speaking to a few doctors and health professionals before, they were saying that when a patient comes and sees them, listing off a few different symptoms, it's literally the medical practice or the medical practice guidebook. They have to look at, to look, look into And they're given a few options, whether it's a pill or a certain procedure. And if they go against that, that book and something goes wrong, just on the off chance, they can lose their license straight away. So they're under constant blackmail from the the higher board. board So I can understand their sort of fear in a way, like they spent seven years in med school, their whole life to be a doctor. It can get taken away like that if they were willing to use or give out an alternative point of view which I find quite scary because the, the doctor's now lost his professional opinion completely, in, yeah. in a sense. Where um, one guy on the podcast, a psychologist as well, when this whole thing came out, he got a, a letter from, um, I think it was APRA. Yeah. They're saying that if, if you were to advise against the government mandates or the government point of view, you will actually lose your practicing license yeah. straight away. And I was, when he got, as soon as he got that, he actually quit his go. job and started speaking out against it. But it's almost like well the whole entire planet was under blackmail by the bulls. Yeah.
1: But again it's like that's almost needed. Yeah, yeah. To show you. yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think it was one of those things that is needed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I heard you mention um, a new earth. And I just wanted to ask you like what what is the ideal new earth that you're kind of in that you have in your mind.
1: Mm. I mean, it's almost a a misnomer because it's like the earth is always the earth it's not really a new earth but I get what you mean yeah like it's just openings and evolution right because you're never going to take away the two poles there's always going to be peace and war positive negative good and bad pro-abortion anti-abortion pro-vaccine anti vaccine you're always going to have the two poles you're always going to have a set of values that contradicts another set of values yeah and again through that actually comes innovation so when I say the new earth it's really the spawning of what is innovated through this collapse whether it's the monetary system and um, more decentralization and people having more independence with their finances web 3.0 some more usability people can actually earn money um, by not having to have a job or go to work or work for some big bank or some big business people might become more entrepreneurial spirited which you're seeing obviously a huge influx of people becoming more um, brand oriented for themselves and self-sustainable self-sufficient you are seeing people that are leaving Western societies that I mean, I think it was like 600,000 people even left Victoria because of the shutdowns. Yeah, that was a crazy nuts. number. That's, that's a crazy number. And a percentage of those people just literally left the, like an urban jungle and went off to now live on the lands. You're seeing new estates being built and new you know, farms and all kinds of things that are happening through this collapse. So the new one I think is when you're gonna see kind of the, there won't be any day, time or point because again, it's all unfolding. But I mostly see it as when you have stability in the uh, or just the new model of finance. Yeah. I think we're going to keep the fiat for a while. I just, I just, it's either going to maybe go to the digital dollar completely. I'm not too sure. Again, different experts are taking different things. I have no doubt in my mind um, China will take more of the leading role. Mm. That was just programmed to happen. Um, <coughs> and if we're speaking specifically to my own value, again, the health and wellness thing, it's just improving the markers of disease. Yeah. But it has to come through education and accountability and people wanting to have better for their life but have access to oh, the right information because that's a very, very like deterministic term, but like more optimal information. Yeah. You know, because uh, people are craving it. They, they want to start finding out answers, but sometimes also with this amount of information, it sh- creates choice anxiety.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: Oh, eggs are yeah. good, eggs are bad. Coffee's good, coffee's bad. This is good. Yeah, I should do it. And people have so much information, they don't know what to do with it. Mm. And that's also where they've lost their inner voice. This is why I want to create a platform for people to start listening to their own inner voice. Yes, rely on information and and learn learn how to um, cross-correlate and extrapolate data so you can see what cross-references and what's probably an outlier or anomaly. Mm. And then how do you integrate that into what feels true for you, finding your own voice? But that's how I see the new earth is people just taking way more accountability for themselves, way more Mm. responsibility. I'd love to see a more integrated world where, uh, and I know there are centers now where you're seeing like, for example, there, there's a holistic pharmacy in um, Fremantle. Oh, really? Yeah, Nourish Health. Uh, we actually start cacao there. So it's like you can still get a drug if it, you absolutely need it, and then you can go buy some ashwagandha. Yeah. You know, more integrated centers, hospitals that actually start, you know, again, this is probably not <coughs> where I'm going down in terms of how I'd love to have yeah. influence, but hospitals that serve more organic foods or more juices and maybe have some herbs and tinctures and a herbalist there or some sort of yeah. integrated care, you know?
2: Mm. Yeah, like with um the, Yeah, sorry. Um, no, I'm, go for like it. having a, a pharmacist and um, what's a uh, What's the, naturopath? Naturopath in yeah. the same place? That would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: giving people the options. Yeah, you if you want options, pharmaceutical yeah. drugs, expect the result fast. Like that's the power of them, but it comes with side effects. Yeah, you have to, it's a take and give. Nature's herbs, botanicals, demulsions, nutraceuticals, the field of nutrigenomics, all that is a slower process. But again, it's a bit like muscle. I can make you grow muscle really fast. I'll just inject grams of testosterone and trend and feed you some dynabol. It's going to come with side effects. You get the result faster at a cost.
0: But if I take you under my wing for a year
1: and I train you intelligently with progressive overload, we use micro, meso, macro cycles and eat enough protein and sleep and you maximize every outlet that you could, you're going to gain muscle and burn body fat and feel great and have these gynecomastia or water retention or roid rage or something, you know? Yeah. So, but that's where the integrative part comes is if people have a choice and a doctor's saying, hey, look, we can give you this drug initially. It will help manage the symptoms or the sides or the blood glucose. But do you want to be on it forever? If you do, here's the drug. That's giving people their power back to choose and not, you know, with the white coat authority, you need to be on this and this is the thing. And if you don't, this is going to happen. It's all fear-based thinking. Again, it's archaic, it's barbaric, it's outdated. We need integrative care and it's coming. It's, it's already somewhat here. It's yeah, just yeah, it's going slowly. to take time. Yeah. I truly believe with this new earth, come back to your question, we will see it in our lifetime. It just depends what country you're in, how developed it is. How innovative it is, how health centric it is. Because some of the healthiest places in the world will be met with the unhealthiest places in the world. You're going to yeah. have again that duality.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah. just say it's
1: going to be the new earth. And we're all going to be living utopian lives, and everything. you know what I mean. That would be lovely, but it's just not reality. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you will definitely see pockets of the world that will probably then even have funding by you know humanitarian projects and philanthropists to go. This is the data, and we can see that by this population eating this way, they are the healthiest. By this da da they, they recover the fastest from disease or have the, the lowest amount of cancer and blood pressure and da da And it's through these integrated means, all of these, you know, again, lifestyle choices, nutrition choices, things like that.
0: Who, who are some people that inspire you or whether you've had mentors or people that you look up to, authority figures, that you're sort of working with now or just really in tune with what they're doing? Mm. What are some of those names that you could throw out?
1: Oh, man, there's like too many, hey, lot, I, I, yeah. I learn through everyone, you know, mm. my, my second highest value is coaching and development, self-development and teaching. Mm. So I've, I guess, done this long enough now to know that one, I don't know everything. And through that, I can actually feel, you know, gain inspiration and, and learn through everyone. Mm. Um, everyone, literally. I would say if there are some household names, I'm pretty fanboying the Dr. John Martin at the moment because human behavior, I'm really, really like the next part of my interest is why do people do what they do? Why do Mm. I do what I do? Why do you do what you do? Why do we just do what i do? Mm. And so much as through human behavior, when you wake up in the morning and you get your head off the pillow, why is it that until the time I put my head back on the pillow, am I doing what I'm doing? Whether it's productive work, procrastinating work, it's some sort of this, some sort of that, and just auditing that process.
0: Well, what have you discovered in that process of why people do what they do?
1: That if people don't live by high priority actions every single day, they will fill it up with low priority distractions. Mm. Love that. That's that's something I'm segueing directly from John. If you do not fill your day up with high priority things that are most meaningful to you that have come from you and your values, you will have gaps and those gaps will automatically be filled with someone else's value with someone else's projection, someone else's expectation. Mm. And when you do those things, you will get feedback. You'll move out of your executive center in your animal brain, you want to distract, you want to eat, you want to porn, you want to mm. snort some coat, you want to do something to distract. It's it's a perfectly designed function to get you authentic, mm. to get you back on to behaving like the person you are, fulfilling your soul's mission or your what's most inspiring to you. <coughs> and um, yeah, getting you congruent with that.
2: So the distraction is also a, a clue, you yes. would say. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Oh, anytime
1: you find yourself now, you know, ADD. I, I could go to town on that one. But anytime you have poor focus, poor, you know, if I always say um, with motivation. If you're having to be motivated about something that you say is really important to you, you can absolutely guarantee it's not important. So motivation, as again John would say, is a, solu- a symptom, not a solution. Yeah. Because motivation is done through p- reward or punishment. If you do this, I'll give you a treat. remember the vegetables as a kid? Yeah. If you eat the vegetables, I'll get you some ice cream. That's to motivate you. That's to motivate you. Mm. What's giving you the motive to move the muscle, to get the fork to the plate, to eat the thing you don't like, that you don't value? What if, what
2: if you haven't found out what, you're, what you truly value and what you want to do in life yet?
1: Uh, How would you direct Your that? life will already demonstrate it. Oh, yeah. You already said that before. Yeah. yeah okay. So you go ask the question. Again, you can use John's process or just ask your questions. Like, what do I spend my most energy on? What's the content I consume the most? What am I most interested in podcasts? What do I spend the most money on? You, I mean, you can see straight away, like I spend it on nutraceuticals and supplements and health, but fucking EMF thingies and all kinds of stuff that are showing me where I'm putting my resources. Mm. And then what is it that I listen to podcasts Who so in the car and who am I listening to and what information am I taking in? Um, what conversations do I wanna have with people? Mm. That's, a, that's a key one. You know, Ooh. who do I hang around and what am I excited to talk about when someone says, oh, what do you think about this? And you're like, oh, yeah, and you have something to offer when I mean, you're going to be more certain and more extroverted when it's a topic that you love. Mm. If you told me tomorrow to speak on to a thousand people on the art of plumbing, I'd be the most insecure, <laughs> anxious person around. That would be the symptom and the feedback to show hey, you're not doing something congruent <laughs> to what you love and what you're good at. Unless, you were, unless you're really good at talking bullshit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this uh, free pipe and this uh, yeah, flexi pipe here. And I have no fucking clue. I would yeah. you be shaking with anxiety and fear going, oh, I'm fucked. So it's people think that that's them. It's yeah. not. It's the feedback mechanism to show you what's mm. not actually something you love or want to do. If it's something you like you want to do, you will likely, it could be, you could be exhausted at night, 11 o'clock at night, oh, I'm ready to go to bed and someone just says, hey, I really need help with this thing, but it's something you love, you have a lot of knowledge on, and you feel really inspired mm. by, it. all of a sudden you got energy, you know? So, um, what was the thing we talked about before? I'm just gonna weave this back. Um, is that values and there was something Value, before that? No, um, fuck, I don't remember. Is so it the whole, there was new earth, and there was something in between that. <laughs> Lost the weave. But yeah, getting clear on your values yeah, is, yeah. But to answer that question and that part, it's just, getting clear on what it is you already loved what your life demonstrates. And if you're really lost, go to John D. Martinis, it's on his website, it's free. Nice. It's like, John values values determination or something, but you'll see it on his mm. website, can't miss it. Okay. And that'll help you get clear on like, oh, no shit. You, you've probably had that thing in your life where you, something you're already doing, someone who's already in front of your face, mm. something that's it's right there, but you're not seeing it. And I always say to people, it's a bit like looking and seeing are two different things. This thing says Boya, right? yeah you know it says Boya because you have the you can see it you can interpret the the letters but if i held it here and i didn't know it said Boya, i'm looking at it but i can't see See it yeah often with your values they're right in front of your face but because we might be unconsciously we had a father who was really hard on us and expected a lot from us yeah we subordinate to him We 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 go off and live a life and do a job that's safe and it's his expectation of, you know, go out and get a job and do something safe. We've listened to some voice when six years old and we often go off and do that and wonder why we're feeling unfulfilled as an adult. Really, you want to actually go be a dancer or do art
2: or... Oh yeah, that's what we were talking about before. Yeah.
1: It's not... The is you will be doing the job, say like FIFA or something, but then in your week off, you'll be doing all the things you value. So you'll be compensating. You hate going fly-out day, oh, fly-home day, yes, because you go off and then do the things when you're home, catch up when you sleep probably first. Then you go off and do the things you love. And then you go, oh, fly-out day again, because you're going off to do something you don't, it's not congruent to your values.
2: So isn't that, that the sort of congruency that usually kind of ends up fostering disease and Absol- stuff like that? Absolutely, well?
1: big time, absolutely. There's a huge component to disease and illness that is a symptom of physiology due to incongruency of values and inauthenticity. Now, the cool thing is that some people might hear that and go, oh fuck, you know, I'm doing something I don't like, I have a job I don't like. The cool thing about having a supercomputer is you have a supercomputer. Mm. You can link everything to your highest values. So for example, let's say you love travel or four wheel drives and outbacking and, and just maybe adventure or outbacking is your highest value. You've loved camping since you were a kid. You have photos of four wheel drives, it'll tell you. you you've spent $100,000 on your four wheel drive and all your mm. lift kit and your suspension and Bulba. You clearly value forward driving and adventuring, right? Yeah. But you work FIFA and you don't really like that. So what you do is you go, well, how does me working at FIFA serve that? And you create links. It's like a train. You could have the first carriage takeoff. But if you put just literally the links in them, the whole train cat takes off. So the same is true. You might say, well, it gives me great financial income. And then I got to go buy my things. And then because of that, I can go adventure. Oh, there's one link. Go to another one and do another one and create 40, 50, 100 links as how is what I do that might not fully serve me right in this moment is actually serving me. Because mm. then you don't have just dots and you don't have scattered brain, you actually have an internet, you have an whole web mm. and you've weaved the tapestry so to speak to see how everything I do in my life is for my highest values. Linking usually more transient as in like it's probably wise because I ask people all the time like how long you got in FIFA and I just start at the end and go, you're working 30 years? No. Nah. 20 years? No. Nah. 10 years? No. Five? No. Four? Maybe. Three? Yep. So you, you, you know roughly, if you ask someone, how long are you planning on doing the thing you don't love until it has an expiry date? Because if it has an expiry date, you might want to start thinking about that now and start planning your life. If you want a great life, the best way to do that is to design it. You know, if I, say I want self-mastery, well, the idea to, to, the road to self-mastery is through design, not duty.
2: Yeah. What if, if you, well, what's, what's the first step that you would take if you're too afraid to jump into that self-mastery? Let's say you're like a, you're a baby, You have (laughs) no idea. You know, like even like the the, the idea of like crawling or like even like getting into your like feet to take the first step scares you. Mm. What advice would you give someone?
1: Well, it's, uh, I wanna come back to the baby example. Yes, you bring up a really beautiful point. Everything is an evolution, right? And you can't skip steps. We've all had that experience where we try to be more than we're not. I've done it, I'm sure you've done it. You've tried to be two steps ahead and it kicks your ass. It always pulls you back. So a baby can't write a PhD, it needs to crawl and then to stand and then to learn how to use its genitals to go to the toilet and get out of a nappy and then go to pre-primary and you know what I mean? It's all evolution.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: So when you say self-mastery, it's like sometimes that word's also overused and and I appreciate that. But it could just be what is the next step for me? And you might also not value self-mastery. So if you value it, you're likely going to be researching and and doing things and understanding and self-development work. It might be an area of trauma. It might be an area of healing. It might be an area of entrepreneurship or business. It could be any area that you want to quote unquote master. If it's more self-mastery, I mean, I guess that's an unfolding process. I wouldn't call myself like a self-master. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm interested in it and I'm always looking to develop and grow and evolve and unfold. So I guess, yeah, to really answer your question directly is like just what's in front of me. Okay. I can't do what I'm going to be doing at 40. And my values will likely change by then. I'm probably going to be a father by the time I'm 40. Family's not a high value of mine right now because I'm not a father. So for me, self-mastery comes into who am I today and what's next to then just triple down on what's next. Have the vision, sure, because that's important. Yeah. But what's next? Because then I can actually orient my energy and my resources to those things. And not scatterbrain around and yeah, wonder yeah. why my life's feeling this and that and the other. And then living more by duty than
2: design. Then design, okay. Yeah. And if you, let's see, how far do you
1: have your vision? Is it like five or 10 years? For me, it looks about eight to 10 years. Yeah. 10 years? Yeah. I uh, could probably have some vague things of me in my like 40s and 50s, but then they're, they're, they're so far away that I don't want to yeah. actually expand my energy to that.
2: Yeah. yeah. And how do you, how do you, Orient your direction to viewing that vision in eight to ten years while still being present and not letting that vision
1: of the grandiose overwhelm you mm. at that moment? Yeah, great question. I guess it's a bit like a house. You know, is the most simple example this is like a house takes on everybody a year to build, would you just say? Yeah. In yeah. Australia. A bit of a slow worker's. China, I think it take about a week. Oh yeah. Dude. <laughs> Eight days. Should they go to a house in yeah, definitely a couple of days. So it's like that. It's like you don't start worrying about the roof tiles or I mean in, in the architectural design phase, yeah. sure. But in terms of the build, it's a one year vision. So if you made that ten years in your mind's eye, but then look so one month would be like one twelfth of a year, it's yeah. so like one year would be like, well, just under would be one twelfth. So it's like you first start with, yeah, just like leveling out the ground and then the slab and then the bricks. You know the roof's going on, but you're not putting any energy into invoicing and ordering the, the tiles. There's a, there's a sequential time for it. Now, it's not like I have everything in my vision to the T, like to the book, I'll yeah. be pretty clear. Yeah, because so something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. You'll have and, delays and in the garage. Absolutely. Or whatever. And that actually is about balanced orientation because the fantasy would be like, oh, like my vision and my dream is going to be all perfect and flowy and things are just going to come to me. Like that's just complete bullshit delusion. It's going to be, these are the things that I want and would receive that I'm appreciating and loving. These are the things that could go wrong. How would I solve that in advance? What fires might need to be put out? What challenges and objections would I come up against? Then I'm prepared. And that's Ooh. probably the biggest thing is preparation is what it gives me. Yeah. You're not just going in then every day, every day, every day. There's a vision and then kind of an end goal of what I know and see and feel and love. And I was even meditating last night and literally yeah. going tears of like gratitude going like, this is what I would love. I'd, I'd go there every day. Is then reverse engineering that process. Yeah, And who was it that said it? There's another expression. It goes something like, yeah, when the why is big enough, the house take care of themselves. And I just know uh, my why is big enough. Okay, yeah, yeah. So fair. the how how am I gonna get the funding for a twenty million dollar health center? I don't know, but I know it's gonna happen. How am I gonna get this? I don't know, but it's gonna happen. How I, well, meet the right people, have the right conversations, or mm. speak to someone who knows someone who knows someone. Anything that's required solving has always been solved, relatively speaking. Yeah. You know, but if you apply your mind and your resources, your energy to something that you truly love, you will move it. Because it's that attitude of like, no matter what happens, I will do this. When I was dedicated to my bodybuilding. I was dedicated to coming first. No one does a show going, oh, I'm on this treadmill and eating this tuna and broccoli to come third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true, yeah. Everyone knows when they go against Usain Bolt that they're racing against the fastest fucking person, but they're not, they're going for gold. They're training for to win. And nothing, even Usain Bolt, is going to get in their way. Relative to what happens is out of their control. They can only focus on themselves. So relative to what happens in my vision, it's it's out of my control in one sense, but I can be prepared, I can objectively view it. And I can start asking what are the daily action steps to add a brick a day, add a brick yeah. a day, add a brick a day. And slowly again, mm. you know, I, I used to just buy in so much to the instant gratification. Yeah. I'm sure you have too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> which is again a design function of the animal brain, the, the amygdala, it want, it's a desire center, it wants instant gratification, it wants to go seek pleasure, avoid pain. Which is seek the prey and eat it for sustenance, which is anabolic, mm. and avoid the predator because it would eat you and you would die and that's catabolic. Yeah. So it wants immediate gratification and it wants to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's how you'll also know. Am I just consistently looking for quick fixes, quick hits, mm. this quick, this and that. When you start to play the longer, slower game and I'm only truly now appreciating that, the slower I can go, the better. You know, mm. the rabbit in the hair. You know, that's how we used to get taught as kids. Ah, oh, I see. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, so you're focusing yeah. on that long-term vision. Long game, man. Yeah. I'm so done with instant gratification. Do I move quick at times? Fuck yeah, man. Like I love to move quick, but I also know the quicker I move, the slower I have to pull back. If I play in a game moving at one speed, I want to ensure that I'm balancing with something else. Mm. But if, and the, so there, again, there might be a time and place for that. That's, that's the adaptability and the pliability you might have, say to your nervous system and your mind and your muscles that you can push that bit, but then i also want to recover because that's going to bring me back to center. Yeah. But the more I can stay in a centered amount, knowing that I, there's only so much I can produce in a day, there's only so much I can do in a day or so many phone calls I can make and I'm not trying to pile on too much and get it quickly done, 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 done. Yeah then that's sustainable. I have a sustainable model to complete what it is I want to create. I'm going to be 40 one day. I want to be thinking about what I'm, who I'm going to be and what I want my life to look like and what I want to create and how I want to serve when I get to that age. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, right. yeah, to come back to your question, it's like how do you stay grounded? Well, be present. Pretty, <laughs> Breathe and yeah, be present. Yeah. Have the vision <laughs> and then ask you, if I was to reverse engineer, like what might I do? Start carving that pathway out and just take relentless action. You
2: know? mm, yeah. So you pretty much reverse engineer until you like get to the point where you're laying that first brick.
1: Pretty much. That's it. Yeah. I'm sure every focus. architect has the house yeah. in their minds. Mm-hmm. they have the yeah. vision, but then they see a fucking block of land, but they know that then there's a re on a slab, and then some bricks, and then some this, and then some that. And it's like poof, the vision comes to life. Yeah. That was a reverse engineered process. Mm. You know, I think architects, let's say residential, or some it could be some massive shopping center, they're gonna yeah. have a vision. You know, the right architect going to have a great vision. Anyone has a greater vision, you know. And you can tap into your vision. Your vision is stored in your intuition or your soul, if you will. Your most centered, deepest oriented place. And everyone has a vision. But most of the time we suppress our vision. It's been squashed. It's been stifled. It's been socially rejected. We feel shame for it. Like we're not worthy of it. And so that's where we play safe. And that's Ooh. where we come out of our high values and come into lower priority values. We feel scattered, we feel ADD, we feel like we're run by an animal, we can't concentrate, we procrastinate, we hesitate on ourselves, mm. we get frustrated, we go seek the food and instant gratification. And that's how a lot of people live. I used to live like that all the time. But Ooh. when you rise above that and develop this forebrain, you develop your intuition, you develop your vision, you develop balanced orientation. And it's called the executive center because you execute plans now in the way it was designed to be used. We just see things in advance, solve the problems that you might run into, see the advantages, see the downsides, see everything in a, in a balanced orientation and then bring it to life. We didn't have cars hundred years ago. We mm. were just over. Yeah. Someone had a vision.
0: It was Henry Ford or, or someone else. Someone had a yeah. vision
1: of the combustible engine and the wheels. And it's like, man, we take the horses and carts. Like someone had a vision. Then they had to trial and error and go through a, probably a fucking ton of failures. That's the other thing I'd say to a young 20 year old is fail. Mm. Be willing to fail. The most reason people, we, we hate sucking at things. We just, as human beings. I think it's more social than anything because if we, we suck, we, we fear rejection and then we're out of the tribe and then we starve and then we die. It's very primal and biological. But we're not, we're not in that. That's, that's a very primal part of the brain. We're not in that. And be willing to fail so you learn. The most shit I've learned is from my failures. Hands down. The moment you think you're successful, you're going to eat your ass and it too. You're going to depurpose. You're going to run into tragedy. People are going to criticize you because I'm successful. Man, that's never going to happen and similarly if you think i'm a failure i'm in this if you minimize yourself you're gonna have people support you it's all again a design function to get you into your center when you're there and you're just on a mission and you're here to love and appreciate what life is and serve your purpose just be accountable for you and what you're good at and what you love Mm -hmm. then it's like that's about as fulfilled as i can imagine your life will be yeah you know Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and what what about the the person who's uh who can take the time to draw out the arc- the, the structure of the house, There's the blueprints already, but when it comes to laying down the first brick, he's frozen. He can't lay down that first brick. What would you say to him? Well, what advice would you give him?
1: Yeah, because he's assuming that there are more downsides than upsides. That's oh. where the fear orient is. He's got this nightmare of either failure. Some people actually have the nightmare of success, and. Success for two reasons. Number one is success if I get the thing and I do the thing and I take the action, I actually build it. Because I've gone all in, what if I fail? Mm-hmm. And that's fucking terrifying, especially to men, I would say. I feel like, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but I feel like there's a big thing in terms of living out their purpose. They're afraid, like you said, to that first step. Having something to lose. Having yeah. something to lose. Because now I'm not doing 10 things just in the water. And if I fail, it's all good, I didn't yeah. try that hard. No, 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 I'm putting this all on the table and it's fucking terrifying. Good, now you're living. Good. True. And also, you're pr- very likely bringing in a body blueprint of a negative bias. We have about a three to one ratio of a negative bias, which is seek out more negative, unconscious, more negative conscious things than the positive unconscious things. So if you have a lot of fear, it's very likely you are focusing and you're conscious of more of the downsides than the upsides. So I tell you this all the time, if they have a strong fear of failure or a strong, and I'll go to the second thing that I mentioned as well, is you're very not likely thinking uh, sorry, and you're also very self centered in that point, too. Because if you're about to take the step and it's going to serve someone, you're doing them a disservice by not taking the step. You're oh, making it about yep. you. What about all the things you gain, all the people you serve? Maybe it helps you generate wealth. You can now help your mother and her medical bills. Maybe you can help your friends out who's struggling. Maybe you can get that promotion. Maybe you can do that thing by taking that step. But if you're obsessively focusing and perceiving this thing in the future, because that's what the fear is at a future event as more negative than positive, more downsides or more drawbacks and upsides and benefits, you're gonna have fear. But if you're balanced in your orientation, you consider the downsides and the upsides because shit could go wrong. I mean, shit, I could literally walk out today and trip on my feet and bash my face on concrete. Am I gonna develop a fear of walking? No, because I see the upsides of cardio metabolic health and brain yeah. health and breathing fresh air. I never develop anxiety or a fear for walking because I see there's downsides and upsides. So it's mm-hmm. neutral. When you're neutral and balanced, you're not going to have the emotional polarity. Um, the second thing I was speaking about uh, when I said the fear of, um, f- uh, fear of success, it's not just losing the ball. I've noticed there's this huge success remorse with people. I've experienced this and, and I know a lot of people experience this, which is tribal, which is I operate at a certain level, maybe economically, maybe socially, financially, whatever. And I'm wanting to get to this place. But if I do, I'm afraid that the people that, that love and like me won't support me or will reject me. And so so people stay small to fit in. Yeah, to stay in the truck. And they don't actually go after what's most meaningful to them, which they think again, in their perception, would, uh, you know, they'd feel guilty for it. But what if they inspire someone actually? What if the people were meant to be in that circle for X amount of years, but then they're actually supposed to outgrow them to meet new people that would serve their values and their mission. You know, this is the growth of of evolution and change. Mm. So for someone, again, to really answer your question, for someone afraid to make that step, first again, ask why. Am I afraid to leave my social circle? I'm afraid of ridicule. I'm afraid of leaving them or being more, making more for myself. Is it family? Maybe my family weren't that wealthy and I feel guilty for making more money. That's a huge one. Still attached to mummy and daddy and not wanting to outshine them or a brother or a cousin. I had a call the other day with someone who everything he did was never enough. And I said, who are you comparing yourself to? And straight away, it just popped from him. He's like, oh God. It ended up being his cousin. He was athletic and gifted intellectually gifted, had all these things that in his perception, he pedestaled him and minimized himself. And now his entire adult life was going around working, doing everything he does perfectly well, but never feeling good enough because he was comparing his life to this guy like 15 years ago, it was his cousin. Mm. When he realized though, that that also came with downsides because he had the pressure of performing. He probably didn't do what he wanted to do in love. And he realized, holy shit, this guy today is actually an alcoholic and he's overweight. So he wasn't respecting the fact that what that guy was going through was actually just balanced. He perceived him as some superhero, some mm. person he put on a pedestal. And then his whole adult life was a comparison to his performance.
0: Mm, interesting. So on, on that same subject, how did you go on and how did it change your, your psyche with the passing of your father and stepping into that? Because mm. we live our whole lives, I feel like, somewhat within the shadow of our father. And when Father's, that's gone, yeah. it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. There's no ceiling
1: Yeah. anymore. That was the biggest one. It's like, holy shit, there's no one above me anymore. Like I don't have kids, yeah. but like there's no one, there's no above figure. I'm it. You have got my brothers, but you're the, I'm the dad. that's yeah. about to become a dear. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, there's like a deep story on this. Like I could go into this quite a bit because it was so deeply meaningful for me. Mm. And it was actually the greatest catalyst to my growth. And I'm so grateful for my father's passing and I celebrate it. People don't realize too that, uh, I know someone very close to me going through grief right now actually. And they don't realize that grief is actually not necessary that's a bold statement to make grief is not necessarily it's also it's kind, of kind of productive As well, mm-hmm. so. put it this way if i died tomorrow and i had all the people that are in my close circle mourn the loss okay sure you love me so mourn i have shed a few tears but what i want you if i'm sitting at the pearly gates what i want to look down and be like these people are holding themselves back because they're just consistently mourning me no no yeah. do you want someone to stop their life just because of your passing no definitely not I want them to go live the most amazing life in fact I'd want the opposite exactly yeah, right yeah, yeah. there are cultures that dance and sing and celebrate yes they cry but they, they, they're crying tears of love of gratitude and appreciation for that person the life they lived but this oh, you know people were saying you need to grieve for years and years and years oh man that's just that's crap that's gonna hold you back and you'll be doing a disservice. And usually a reframe to that person is mostly wakes them yeah, up. Would no you want percent. would you want that person that you lost if they died and you sorry, sorry, if you died and they live, would you want them to grieve for two years? No, no. Yeah. So why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. finding the love because um, with grief comes relief. Yeah. That's actually yeah. its counterpart. Yeah. There were things I was grieving about my father, but also things I was relieved. Yeah. So if I combine those two, I just have love and appreciation. To answer your question more kind of directly, I'll keep it semi short, is it was just a huge realization of the lack of rites of passage that I had into manhood. You know, Mm. where I still had these little boy aspects. I might've been a 20, back then, eight year old adult, but there were aspects that still felt like a little boy. Mm. You know, can we have aspects? We like to think that this is me and it's just that we speak in absolutes. Mm. But if you actually dissect your being into aspects, it's far easier to see the parts of you that are driving something as opposed to going, I'm driving it. No, no, no. It's just maybe a thought, a perception, an aspect. And for me, it was recognizing where the little boy was just so still terrified. Terrified to step up, to step forward, to lead, to create. It it highlighted so much about my relationships and the dynamics I had in my relationships, intimate and also friendships. It highlighted so much of where I wasn't stepping forward as a leader in business. Um, It just just revealed so much. It was actually about a two-year process. Oh, three-year, really. Through my basically taking myself for my own rites of passage. Mm. So initially, um, there was some grief, and then I think I buried some of it. I didn't Mm. really know how to fully process it. And when enough stagnancy and and kind of symptoms of yeah, I feel like I was banging my head against the wall were coming about, I was going, oh okay, there's probably some something in here. Mm. I'll probably dive in. And at that point, to move that forward, I'd done like so much breath work and so much like work that i had to do you know you have to breathe yeah i was like man i'm just ready to really, really just sit some plant medicine hey yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> i just want someone to take care of me or mm. i want to or utilize a tool and i hadn't sat for a long time so and i actually had the like space a big reset you felt oh i don't mean a reset like an opening you know yeah okay. yeah reset in one way but more of just an expansion you know yeah it's like running's great but you know what's even better putting on a fucking pair of nikes so it's like mm. you know it's great working out yourself you know it can really help some plant medicine sometimes you know it's just a tool yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like, as soon as I set that intention, I had a buddy message me the next day. and he's, Theo, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he's like, yo, Eli's, uh, a, a dad, one of the guys. He was like, yeah. oh, um, Eli, one of his buddies was serving San Pedro in the teepee. Mm. So that was like the first medicine that I'd set over a year ago now. And that just revealed so much to me. Mm. And I thought I'd really released my father's spirit upon his death um, through many, like, actually not many, just a couple of moments that were really special to me. Mm. But that was actually the moment we were in the TP, like 20 guys, we had a fire. And Mm. I just remember like literally letting that, my my little aspect of my little boy Mm. and my father's spirit, like fully to let go Mm. within my own mind's eye and to release him, to like liberate him and to liberate myself from Mm. that attachment. And that really, yeah, helped me step into manhood.
0: Did you feel like that bond or that maybe that grief that you were holding was also holding him nearer to you in a sense? So you were both sort of captive? Yeah. And working through it together?
1: Yeah, in one way. And also, I think um, grieving this idea that I was losing what I never got, mm. not realizing that what I didn't get was what I now gained. Okay, yeah. You know, Ooh. everything that I thought was a lack and that he should have done this and he should have done that was actually what's given me the catalyst to do it now. And if it had not mm. been for that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now and wouldn't yeah. be where I'm at right and now. Again, it's finding downsides in upsides and upsides in downsides mm. and leveling the playing field so you can love yeah. and appreciate the man he was because he was mm. a fucking brilliant man. Mm. And I can actually hold him in my heart now and not my head because yeah. that's where also a lot of the suffering comes is we have these perceptions and then we have rumination of thought. Mm. grief is one of those I've lost this I've lost I've lost I've lost but then we don't consider what have you gained who have you gained who's emerged in your life now to mm-hmm. fill the space of the person you grieve maybe it's you so there's all these hidden orders to death that a lot of people if they don't see which I definitely didn't for years mm. um, will benefit their
0: life 100%, yeah I think that quote every adversity has a seed of equal or greater benefit yeah. as soon as you find it it's just like wow Yep.
1: Up. absolutely mm. you can take the, the, the deepest of tragedies I mean look at Viktor Frankl it's, this is a Holocaust survivor and he pioneered logotherapy mm. people want to victimize themselves through grief and loss or through some sort of traumatic event and I get it we're not invalidating it we are validating the painful the, the downside mm. but also now we want to balance that orientation and bring it back to love all suffering is through perceptions some of the greatest you know teachers in Buddhism and people that have achieved moksha and enlightenment they'll tell you the mm. same thing every moment is birthed out of love if it exists it's birthed out of god if you're a universe you mm. know and we can either sit around again if it's a grievan and loss of someone or it's a traumatic event or blunt force trauma and mm. victimize ourselves and say stuck reenacting the story or we can take that experience and use it to our greatest advantage and do something meaningful and, and inspiring with our life mm. and coming to the, the father thing i know my father would be looking over me and going i'm and just enthralled and amazed that you're doing something amazing with your life and not mm. sitting around crying about me yeah you know again there's moments and I've had those moments, mm. but I also had a lot of those moments with unawareness, because mm. I wasn't seeing how I could actually love and appreciate who he was. And I was, when I was grieving, I was actually grieving on loss, not yeah. not gain or loss. Yeah, not them together. So yeah, it's just like, and to bring it all home, it's like how it's changed my psyche. Is it's just really, it's supported a lot, like a lot. I'm very, very grateful. It sounds so weird. I'm so grateful for his de- death. I mean, but again, there are cultures there, like I said, that that celebrate and sing you know mm. death is as sacred as, as birth is and they're not we don't go oh, the birth and all the death it's yeah. just oh, wow the celebration earth. wow love death yeah. appreciating both uh, okay. as a natural inclination of life you know 100%. yeah and um yeah it's just it's really it's been the greatest catalyst to support um growing into a man and growing up really and stepping forward into more of who i am and um my capacity to also help myself and other people
2: mm. yeah, so, yeah. I think it's a Jordan Peterson that says the, um, your transition into a man is when your father dies.
1: Or something along those lines. along those lines, yeah. 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 A few
0: people have said that. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. I reckon that's a, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Thanks so much. Man.
2: Thank you, dude. That was, that was amazing. Appreciate it.